Welcome to the Bravo Papers, a safe space for all us Bravo fans who love to analyze, deconstruct, and talk about our favorite Bravo shows ad nauseum. There's no such thing as overanalyzing or reading too much into your favorite Bravo shows and Bravo liberties here. So join me, Bravo and Botox, as I find the depth amongst the shallow. Hello, everyone. We are back for episode two, and I'm so excited. Honestly, the response to the first episode has been amazing, just amazing. I, I'm shocked. Like, I can't believe how many people downloaded the first episode. It's unbelievable. It really warms my heart and just, I just cannot thank you all enough for being so supportive, especially of me, you know, and a newbie. And I had so many DMs, comments. Um, If you didn't get a chance, I did put up a post on Instagram at Bravo and Botox at, um, at Bravo and Botox. Um, And I did put up a post to kind of share some of the, you know, evidence from my discussion about Raquel from last episode. So I posted some of the pictures um, that would accompany a lot of what I talked about. And I also posted, uh, what was it? Oh, yes, the clip from one of the older seasons where Tom is like, you know, loving Ariana's haircut and the pictures of Tom and Raquel kind of cozying up at the Give Them Lala Beauty event. So check those out. Um, It's one of my pinned posts. So whenever I have a new episode, you know, I'll pin the accompanying post or the summary post to the top of my uh, profile. So you can just go to my grid and see it. Um, I do want to apologize for sound issues. Most people said it was okay, but I did get a couple messages from people saying that the sound was really quiet and they had to turn their volume on full blast. So if you are one of those people, my heartfelt apologies. But as I've been told by other more experienced podcasters, you get better as you go. And I've also been told I was on um, Reality Comics 2 podcast as a guest this week. And Kendrick, who's the host of that, shout out Kendrick because he's awesome. He was saying like sometimes people will go back and listen to his first episodes and he's like, oh, please don't do that. Like he's embarrassed. That's going to be me, I'm sure, one day. (laughs) At least I hope so. Um, Sorry, that was a weird like cough slash laugh. Anyways, So I apologize for the sound issues. And if I was a little bit stiff the first episode, I was just so nervous. And I think I went a little overboard, like trying to edit it and make it perfect. So I'm going to try to be a little bit more relaxed and natural while also staying on topic, because I think, you know, you're joining this podcast so that you can hear a focused analysis of a specific topic. So yeah. All right. So I do want to go over a few Bravo news items before we get into our main topic of the day. So just a little update about Kim uh, Zolciak and the divorce from Croy. So if you haven't seen 
Croy is saying that she's a gambling addict, no surprise there, and that she has spent all of their money and completely drained them. And she's also shown up on some social media posts and she's still wearing her 10 carat engagement ring. So do with that what you will. (laughs) Again, you know, I don't think her wearing the engagement ring is that big of a deal. Some people have trouble moving on, etc. She probably just, you know, she's always loved the flash, right? She wants to look rich. She wants to look the part, even if she has nothing. Do I believe the gambling stuff? I do, because it's on film. I mean, we see it. And we saw her on Atlanta, like I was saying last episode, you know, just spending away. So we'll see what happens with that. It seems like it's kind of nasty. I think he is requesting full uh, custody of the children. So we'll see what happens going forward. If there's any more updates, they will be on my Instagram story. I don't really post new stuff on my feed. On my feed, I only post the stuff about the podcast and Twitter roundups. So if you're looking for new stuff, make sure you go to my stories because I definitely update my stories every single day and I try to add every piece of news I can that I think is worth sharing. So if I don't share something, it's usually because I think it's either completely bogus and just a rumor, or if I think it's a rumor that could be true, could not, then I will post it and just kind of, you know, let people make a decision or just let people see it. And then we'll see if it comes true later. But if it's one that I'm like, "Eh, there's no way this is true, like absolutely no way then I usually just leave it. Or if it's something that I feel might be doing a disservice to the Bravo, 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 Bravo community, I will not share it. I generally try not to share stuff about Tom Sandoval's performances, even though I get sent stuff all the time. It's not that it's not newsworthy or anything like that. It's just that I think he wants that attention so bad. And I don't want to give it to him. I just, I really don't. There's only so many times I can look at him shirtless with like a lightning bolt. Like I I can't, I can't do it anymore. So another thing that has come up was um, the finale of Beverly Hills was filmed and it was Kyle Richards annual white party, which I kind of love because it's like a Beverly Hills staple, that white party. And because of COVID, you know, we didn't really have any of these big parties on Beverly Hills for a little while. So it's kind of nice that it's back. And Erica Jane performed and apparently has this residency in Vegas, which a lot of people have been talking about. A lot of people have been questioning the residency for good reason. Word on the street, and this is just gossip, so this is not like a confirmed fact, but is that she allegedly has some rich kind of sugar daddy or something who is a part owner of wherever she's doing the residency and that's why she got it which I don't know I'm pretty close to believing that because it's hard for me to believe she would get a Vegas residency on her own after everything that's happened but you never know stranger things have happened Um, A little bit. Now let's move to Vanderpump Rules. 
because that's what we're all here for, (laughs) at least most of us. I just wanted to give a few thoughts about, you know, some of the other Bravo stuff going on, because there is some stuff that normally would be pretty big, but is kind of getting swept to the side because of everything else that's going on with with Scandaval, obviously. So a lot of you saw I posted to my stories today that um, Tom is apparently dating some girl. She's an influencer. She's blonde. If I'm going to be honest, <laughs> she looks a lot like Billy Lee. So I was like, oh, OK, I could see that because all these rumors about him and Billy Lee having something going on on the side or that he may have cheated on Ariana with her as well, which I could see that being true. Um, and all the ideas of him being attracted to Billy Lee makes sense because this girl looks and Billy Lee look really similar. So I don't know. But he says he's not dating her, that they're just friends. Do I believe that? No, absolutely not. If there's one thing that, and I said this on Kendrick's podcast that I was guest hosting or that I was a guest on, I should say, Vanderpump Rules people are going to jump into another relationship. They just do that a lot. Lala and Katie have kind of broken that recently, which I love, but a lot of them do that. They jump from relationship to relationship. So a few thoughts about the finale as well. The finale episode really exceeded my expectations. It was great. I don't know what you all thought about it, but I loved it. I'm sure you did too, because that seems to be the overwhelming opinion. Obviously, there was just kind of more fuel on the fire because I think we got solid proof through the finale that, and not that we didn't know already, but we got solid proof that a lot of, actually most of what Tom Sandoval expressed on Howie Mandel was a lie. And we've kind of slowly been getting that proof throughout the season, but we've been kind of waiting for, I think some people may have been waiting to see like, you know, more of why their relationship was bad and more clear reasons as to why Tom wanted to leave it. But those reasons never really came up. The only reason I've seen anyone really cite is that, oh, she doesn't have sex with him enough. But she told him clearly, clear as day, she needs more time with him. So he really has not been vindicated in any way, shape or form. And on the finale, it was clear that he feels sorry for getting caught and that he's struggling with the blowback. But that's about it, right? I am not seeing a man who really feels remorse for what he did, nor am I seeing that from Schwartz. And in some ways, Schwartz is even more infuriating. It's almost like I kind of expect it from Sandoval. And I don't know why I should expect it from Schwartz as well. But the way that he acted and the way that he kept talking about his business was really, to me, one of the most infuriating parts of that finale. So on that note, there is also a rumor about Raquel being pregnant. The answer is no. Do I know this 100% as a fact? No. Do I feel 99% sure that she's not pregnant? Yes. (laughs) 
there is that 1% chance. I could be wrong. But I really don't think she is. I just really don't. There is a lot of evidence that she isn't. And I don't want to get all into that because we're going to go to our main topic today soon. But I do want to say that a lot of people were pointing out the fact that she has been she was vaping at the reunion And that was kind of when she apparently told Andy in their one-on-one sit-down that she was pregnant. So people are saying, okay, well, she's not because she was vaping, so it must be something else, right? And there's a lot of other... I got a DM from someone. I can't get all into it, but basically she's not pregnant, okay? However, I do think that there is going to be something revealed in the one-on-one with Andy, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I have a guess. So my guess is that she's going to sit down with Andy and throw Tom Sandoval under the bus. If you had asked me this a couple weeks ago, I would have said no, because I thought that they were still together. But now I'm really thinking they're not together. I really am starting to believe that because I know they announced they were broken up the day of the finale and I didn't believe that. But now I'm starting to believe that. So I'm kind of feeling like, okay, maybe she did kind of throw him under the bus and break up with him because she couldn't take the heat. And as much as she was excited about being with him and stuff like that, I I don't think she could deal with being disliked by basically everyone. And maybe thought that even kind of breaking up with him might give her something to talk about on the show. Because let's be honest, that's what it's all about, I think. So I do believe right now, and something could change, but right now I believe they're not together. And I do believe that whatever she tells Andy is going to be maybe more devious things that we don't know that he did in order to hide this affair and maybe other secrets or things that he told her in confidence that we don't know about. And maybe she's going to let the tea spill. I definitely think there's other stuff. I've heard rumors such as he has had girls sign NDAs before he's slept with them, that he basically sleeps with groupies after almost every single Tom Sandoval and the most extra show, allegedly. All this is allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Um, I've heard all sorts of stuff. So, you know, At this point, I kind of believe a lot of that because it just seems like it. And the way that he said he would usually delete stuff like that from his phone, that kind of tells me he's an experienced cheater. So things will come out. I do think we're in for some sort of shock, but I don't think it's going to be Raquel being pregnant. Okay, I do. Before we get into today's topic and today's topic is a good one. I think you're going to really like it. I want to give a little update on Raquel and my analysis from last or week before last. Remember, we were talking about how sort of Raquel's whole journey, persona, all that kind of stuff was really all just to get on the show, to be famous, to make a mark for herself and because she was really just like this fan and that she maybe never even really loved James and really just kind of used him to up her status, sort of like a social climber. And then she got lost in the, you know, the fame and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if her intentions were ever 
pure from the start, which is what I was saying. Like, I really think she's been kind of calculated from the beginning. And that kind of mixed with the fact that she doesn't really have her own identity and puts her identity in other people, particularly men, is really who she is. So a few things have come out since I recorded that I think actually help to support this theory. Let me start. What was my first one? Okay, so Raquel said in her confessional on the finale that the reason she slept with Sandoval is because she wanted to know what it was like to sleep with someone that she was really that she really loved. She wanted to know what that would be like. So she never loved James. Right. Because if she actually loved James, then she would have already slept with someone who she actually loved. So to me, that's a confession. Okay. So there's that. (laughs) Also, on a recent podcast, Lala said that Raquel apparently said something to the girls that was not on camera, but was something along the lines of, well, you know, I'm going to kiss Schwartz anyways, because it'll make good TV. So here we go again with the good TV thing, with Raquel sort of trying to create her mark and her star on the show, right? She wants a good storyline. So, you know, maybe this whole thing with Schwartz was not just about decoying. It was also about her having a storyline because she couldn't have the Sandoval storyline on the show. She didn't know this was going to come out, right? So that was an actual secret in her life. But she still needed a storyline on the show. And this not only gave her that, it also created branches off of it onto her fighting now with Lala and Katie. And you know what I mean? Because they're going to be mad about her relationship with Schwartz. So yes, I definitely believe that. Okay, she, you know, she has confirmed to me that she's all about making good TV. She was a fan of this show. She wanted to make good TV and didn't care who she was going to hurt along the way. Now, on to another thing I wanted to point out along these same lines to go back to the Raquel topic from last episode. Charlie, Vanderpump Rules Charlie, was on uh, Nick, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Nick Vial's podcast. I think it's called Vial Files. If I'm pronouncing it wrong, please don't come after me. Um, I'm doing my best. Her and Raquel apparently had a falling out. So this is what she said on the podcast. They had a falling out prior to Scandaval. Hmm. The reason they had this falling out is because uh, Charlie noticed that Raquel was acting weird and was, quote, moving weird. And she didn't like that, first of all. And I guess... I got the impression that she was trying to say that, you know, something was maybe being hidden from her or she just felt like something was off, right? She had that kind of intuition. She also said that she was supposed to go on the camping trip or the glamping trip for Raquel's birthday, but somebody broke into Charlie's apartment. It was either the day before the glamping trip or the day of. And because of the break-in and everything Charlie was dealing with, she asked Raquel if she could wait a few hours before they left so that she could still go. I guess she was, I don't know. I don't know if she was supposed to 
hitch a ride with them or whatever. And Raquel refused to wait and kept insisting that she needed to be in the car with the Toms and kept saying, I'm going with the Toms. No, I have to go because they're going to leave without me. And I guess Charlie was kind of like, well, why can't you just wait and go with me later so I so I don't have to drive up there by myself? Which that makes complete sense to me because as somebody who gets a little bit nervous if I'm driving in, you know, a forested or desert area or somewhere where there isn't a lot of civilization around. I can totally get that. She probably wants to go with someone. She probably doesn't know how to get there, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, to me, that's pretty crazy that Raquel was just willing to be like, sorry, too bad. I got to go with the Toms. I mean, what kind of a friend is that? Especially if one of my friends had just been broken into. I mean, come on, like I would want to even travel in the car with them just so we can talk about it and so I can be there for them. Charlie also talked about how Raquel was a pageant girl, and that's actually what they knew each other from even before Vanderpump Rules, uh, before either of them were on the show. So they knew each other for, for from a long time ago, and they were in all these pageants together. And yeah, Charlie said it was highly competitive, and Charlie did pretty well. She actually placed like top five. And so Nick asks Charlie, well, do you think she was jealous because you won? And Charlie said, well, no, because technically I didn't win. I only like the most I got was top five. She said, but she did usually place higher. She said Raquel was definitely a pageant girl, was very competitive, but the best she ever got was like 15th. So she wasn't a high achiever and she Basically, Charlie says she never had any hope of being Miss California, and she thinks it's kind of wild that Raquel thinks that she even had a chance. She also says that Raquel seemed to think that she had a chance because of being on Vanderpump Rules. But Charlie says anyone who knows anything about pageants knows that being on a reality show makes you less likely to win, not more. So she thought it would help. And I think that is maybe why Raquel was a little bit, was maybe extra upset than we all expected that she, quote unquote, aged out of pageants. I mean, I could see her thinking that like this is my meal ticket. And because I've got this notoriety and popularity from the show and people like me on the show. And then when that didn't work out and she still couldn't even get in even the top 10, I mean, I'm sure that's a blow to her ego. Charlie says she's the type who needs to get confidence and fulfillment from these external sources like pageants and men. So she wasn't getting it from the pageant. So who did she go and get it from? I rest my case. (laughs) Anyways, so we will see. I'm sure we're going to learn even more. I could probably keep adding to that Raquel analysis for you know, as long as she's on the Vanderpump Rules show and is doing press. But I won't do it to you every week. I digress. I know eventually we have to stop talking about her. Um, so let's go to today's topic. I'm really excited about today's topic. Today's topic is groupthink. So I want to talk about groupthink and the power of groupthink on Vanderpump Rules, particularly, although I'm seeing it on Summer House as well. So I may have to do an episode about that. 
but I want to talk about how it's manifested itself, especially in the most recent seasons, and how I think that it is one of the main reasons that we are in this Scandival mess that we are currently in. So let me tell you how I was inspired to create this topic. I was listening to Lala's podcast episode, May 3rd, 2023. So if you want to go listen and, you know, so that you have more context to what I'm saying, it was a good episode too. Lala has had some really good episodes. I don't usually, I didn't usually listen to her podcast. Like I wasn't a subscriber before, but I am now and I've been listening every week. So Lala brought something interesting up. She said that her and Katie, although they are friends, they will often disagree and that they'll call each other on things. And we know this is true because I remember at the beginning of the season, they kind of threw some shade at each other on social media or in or in a podcast interview. This was like before Scandal broke. And, you know, Lala said she felt like things were weird between her and Katie, but then they made up and they, you know, they got it together, basically. But she says, we don't always agree, right? She said, on the other hand, and this was kind of in reference to the glamping trip, Sandoval, Schwartz, Raquel, Ariana, Sheena, they just reinforce each other's opinions no matter what, which I think we can see this season is absolutely true. She said her and James are sort of like lone wolves, which I think is a great way to say it because that is so true in that, yes, they have friends, but they will go against friends if they disagree with them, not going not go against them in a like, let me take them down way, but they'll express their true opinions and they'll get into fights with their friends on the show and all that kind of stuff. Right. And Lala said, you know, that's why her and James always big themselves up because they don't have the group 100% blind support, they have to, quote unquote, toot their own horns. And she said that's also why her and James can be so abrasive sometimes. I mean, to me, that makes perfect sense. The other thing that Lala said is that Ariana is going to be a, quote unquote, different person next season. Now, that to me is a red flag. And I don't mean a red flag for who she's going to be, but for who she was, right? To me, that that kind of shows that we haven't fully met her. We've only gotten this version of her. And the version of her was the pieces that she could show while she was stuck in that group dynamic because she had to sort of only show so much so that she can reinforce the group, the group's thinking, the group's attitudes, opinions, etc. Now, Ariana is not the type who I would normally think would be vulnerable to groupthink. But I do think she's vulnerable to men that she's dating. And I do not mean that as shade or an insult. I mean that because the relationship that Ariana was in before Tom Sandoval was a very abusive, verbally abusive. I don't know if there was other types of abuse, but she definitely says that there was serious, serious emotional mental abuse. 
Okay, like him telling her, I, I believe some of the examples on the show were that she's ugly, disgusting, that no one else is ever going to want her, things about like calling, saying her vagina was disgusting. So really bad stuff to the point that, you know, she had a lot of self-hate and issues with confidence and with her own body, even though she is a stunning woman and she's beautiful. And I mean, we even saw it in the season not the season finale, but the original season finale, the pre-Scandival one, where she's talking about her body to Raquel in that insanely cringeworthy conversation. The way that she talks about her body is, ugh, that broke my heart. It really did. Even though like we've all had those thoughts, you know, we all have those negative thoughts about our bodies, but hearing somebody say it out loud, it was almost like, it was almost like we could hear the way that an abusive person would speak to someone else, except she was talking to herself. So it was just, it was hard. It was really hard. I think it was probably hard for a lot of people to watch. So yeah, I could see that with her past and what she's been through and those struggles that, yeah, she could be susceptible to things like groupthink and to kind of low key, I'm going to say low key, and I'll explain why later, but low key being under the control of a group or a charismatic person who she loves like Tom Sandoval. So let's get into it and get into why. Let's start with the definition, okay? Because I'm just kind of going, assuming everyone's familiar with this and you may not be. And you know, I've always heard the term it gets thrown around. It's getting thrown around on social media a lot more lately because I think, <laughs> I think partly because of Scandaval. Uh, but still, I still, I did some research on it because that's what we do here. And I want to read you and I do have some key takeaways. So here's what group think is. And while I read it, I want you to think about Sandoval, Schwartz and their little group prior to all of us knowing about Tom and Raquel's affair. Okay, so think about what you've seen this season, especially. So groupthink is a phenomenon that occurs when a group of individuals reaches a consensus without critical reasoning or evaluation of the consequences or alternatives. Groupthink is based on a common desire not to upset the balance of a group of people. I mean, my God. This desire creates a dynamic within a group whereby creativity and individuality tend to be stifled in order to avoid conflict. I mean, come on. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the key parts of that. So avoid conflict. Yes. It's like if we all agree and we're on the same side, you know, we're the fun, happy ones right? That's what Tom and those guys have always kind of tried to paint. We're the fun, happy group. And Katie, Stassi, Kristen, etc. I know that they're gone, but when they were on the show even, are the mean girls, the miserable ones, the ones who don't want to have fun, blah, 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 right? Uh, so they've really created this persona that is like the more fun-loving people. And even though they would get into conflicts with people, because that's part of being on a reality show, it's more about uh, avoiding disagreement and conflict within their little group. The other part is consensus without critical reasoning. That one is the one that really gets me. B 
because it's like, okay, we have all decided that Tom and Raquel dancing at the Abbey at 3 a.m. is not weird. And we have all decided that Schwartz making out with Raquel is also fine. Without any sort of critical thought. The reasonings, the way that they all defended that, it was so, it was illogical, it was irrational, it it was crazy. So that's why, you know, looking back on it is, yeah, they reached a consensus. Did they actually use critical reasoning and real empathy and thought when they made those decisions about those kind of moral dilemmas that we saw play out on the show this season? The answer is no. Let me read another part of the groupthink that I think is really important. So groupthink is a phenomenon. By the way, I got all of this from uh, investopedia.com, but it's basically the same as any other kind of psychology website or, uh, you know, terms that you can look up. It's, it's, this is what it is. It's, this is just a definition. I like this one because it was straightforward, broken down well. So groupthink is a phenomenon in which individuals overlook potential problems in the pursuit of consensus thinking. So again, like I just said, overlooking things, problems, for example, maybe Schwartz making out with Raquel might be a problem, (laughs) but no, let's just overlook it and pretend that we're all good with it and go along with Sandoval's idea of it's not realistic to say you're not going to date someone in the group, right? Any dissenters in the group who may attempt to introduce a rational argument are pressured to come around to the consensus and may even be censored. Okay. Now, I think the way that they did that one was a little bit more sneaky, right? So the only person who was kind of a dissenter in their group, I would say, was Ariana, actually, because she did stick up for Katie a little bit, right? But she was, again, she was in that weird position because she's dating Tom and she loves him or loved him, right? So in that sense, there was the pressure, though. It was like Tom was like, well, Raquel is our friend. Look at what a good friend Raquel has been for you, right? And that pressure, that puts that pressure on Ariana to stay in the middle, okay? And to not introduce that sort of rational thought in in a strong, assertive manner, like maybe she would if she wasn't dating Sandoval. Anyways, so what causes it? It's really group identity, right? It's the idea that this group has this sense of shared identity and the group members place a high value on the perspectives of the group. And any perspectives that come outside the group are given low value, So, for example, Schwartz's opinion, Sandoval's opinion, Sheena's opinion, those are going to be Raquel's opinion. Those are going to be the opinions that are going to matter the most. And then whatever Katie, Lala, James say is not going to be taken in. They might listen to it and humor it a little bit. But at the end of the day, that opinion is going to be sort of just disregarded. Okay, and that's kind of part of the whole creating a villain out of Katie and Lala and all that kind of stuff and deflecting that Sandoval did all season because that helps make their perspectives have even lower value. The other big factor that can cause groupthink is leadership influence. So it says 
members are more likely to ignore their own misgivings if the group has a powerful or charismatic leader. Say what you want to say. I know we all hate Tom Sandoval and we want to give him zero compliments, but I'm not giving him this as a compliment. It's a fact. He does have some type of charisma. I begrudgingly say that. (laughs) But the point is that he is he's kind of got a power stature ever since him and Tom were given Tom Tom, or at least the opportunity to be a part of it, even if it is in a tiny way. They became kind of favorites of the show, right? Even during the pandemic, they sold, um, you know, what, what's it called? Cameos to raise money for their restaurant workers at uh, Tom Tom, and people loved it. They made so much money off of it. People loved Tom and Tom, right? And we know Tom Schwartz is kind of the more passive of the two. He's kind of like Schwartz is like the sidekick, right? Like people like them as a duo. Vanderpump saw that. That's why she went for that for her business model. But at the end of the day, Tom Sandoval is the one riding on the motorcycle and Schwartz is the one in the sidecar. If that's not symbolism, I don't know what is. So members of these groups really feel pressure to conform by the other members. And this creates kind of the false perception that the group is unanimous when they're not always. Right. So even sometimes when somebody might have a little bit of a different opinion, like Ariana with the Katie thing, where she could see Katie's side. Overall, there's she still has that pressure to like Raquel and to see Raquel's side. Because probably a lot of the reason is because Tom was probably always bringing Raquel around and pressuring a friendship there, which I really think that's something I didn't talk about, but I think that's true. And this kind of creates the idea that they're all unanimous. So then Lala, Katie, etc., they're not going to go approach Ariana easily. They'll approach her, but it's going to be a little tougher because they assume she agrees with Sandoval, etc. Okay, you see what I'm saying here, right? The group builds sort of a fortress around them that can only be penetrated in small ways, and it's very difficult to do so. The other thing to keep in mind is information levels. This one was my favorite, I think. Um, <laughs> so if certain members, <coughs> Sheena, lack information they may defer to others in the group. Certain members, like Raquel and Tom and Tom Schwartz, may even withhold valuable information in order to avoid undermining this group agreement, the sense of group agreement. So, Sheena, we saw her on the beach defer to Tom. Like, did you hear what they're saying about you and Raquel dancing at the Abbey and Tom was like, well, Katie and, you know, and Tom just kind of like deflected to Katie and then Sheena just goes with it. Right. It's almost like she went to Sandoval and whatever he said is what she was going to believe. It was like almost like he was in charge of what the consensus is going to be about him and Raquel dancing at the Abbey. So he was in charge of it instead of Ariana and others. Hmm. The other thing is members withholding. That's obvious. That's Schwartz. (laughs) 
and Raquel, right? So I, I'm not even putting Sandoval in it because to me, he's like the leader of the group think and the rest of them are kind of have roles as followers. Um, the last thing I'm going to say before we go into our, yes, I haven't even gotten into the real deconstruction. But again, like I said last episode, I'm hoping you're all here because this is what you like. Overanalyzing everything and by everything I mean bravo to death. Okay, so these issues with groupthinks are exacerbated by ex- extrinsic factors. So they are amplified by external factors like if people in the group feel like there's an outside threat to their dynamic, um, if they're being isolated by other sources of information, right? So again, like we just saw, they're not, you know, Sheena didn't have the whole picture, right? Schwartz was hiding things. And on top of that, they kind of like this little group they got. They're having fun. They like the dynamic they've created. And, you know, Sheena was so wrapped up in her hatred of Katie that she almost saw, you know, Katie coming with that information about Raquel and Tom as this external threat, right? This external threat that was going to come and kind of ruin their dynamic. Now, one of the suggestions to avoid groupthink that they have is the leader needs to step down and allow other members of the group to air their views first. So idea is that whoever is the quote unquote leader or has authority in a group, that person can give their opinion, but they should give it later so that we can see what the true opinions are of the rest of the group. So, for example, if Sheena had maybe gone to other people besides Sandoval before she made her decision about what she felt about Raquel and Tom dancing at the Abbey. It may have been a different outcome. I don't know. It might still not have because we again, we know how much she was ready to go after Katie. Um, but maybe maybe it would have. I don't know. Uh, and if you actually look and this is what I'm going to be going through today, Sandoval makes sure that he is a part of every single conflict, even the ones that don't involve him. And he makes sure his opinion is heard and heard loudly. So the bottom line is, you know, high pressure situations cause groupthink the most. And because groups want to arrive at the correct decision, what is more high pressure than reality TV and the audience? Okay, they are being watched by millions of people. The cast on the show, they want to be the favorites of the fans. They want to make a good show and they don't want to come out of the season on the wrong side. They don't want to be like the Kristen Doty circa season three and four and maybe five. I don't know. (laughs) They want to be on the right side. They want to be the liked ones. Right. So, yeah, this is definitely a high pressure situation. High pressure to uh, to arrive at the right decision. I want to go back to Sheena again. Sheena really thought Katie's the villain. I'm down. Okay, Sheena knows that Katie was never a favorite of fans. That's a safer route for her to take, to be on the right side. And she also had her own personal problems with her, right? Whew. So I hope you are enjoying so far because I am just warming up. I'm not going to start right from the beginning of Vanderpump Rules. I'm not going to go back to, you know, season one. But I do want to go back a little bit. 
Now, I don't want to start at season one because it's really not necessary because up until about season six, the show, the show was kind of guys versus girls, right? Especially at the beginning because you know, Sandoval and Kristen were dating, Jackson Stassi, Katie and Schwartz, right? So it was more like the girls and their boyfriends, you know, and then Sheena was with Shay. And then over the years, the dynamics changed. People broke up, got back together. James came in and Lala came in and the show shifted and changed so much that there really wasn't this groupthink dynamic. There just wasn't. The show wasn't established enough in the very early seasons for there to be one, because at the start, it was really just them navigating their relationships, you know, being messy, etc. But then after years and time on the show and popularity, things change, right? We have these young people in their who started maybe in their 20s or early 30s, not, I'm not saying they're children young, I just mean younger when they started, who are now getting older, who are no longer working at Sir. And we even, you know, we get to that point eventually where they can't even like pretend they work at Sir because it's just too absurd. No pun intended. Um, And at this point, they're more successful. They're buying houses. They've made it, right? Things have changed. Okay, so with that changing dynamics comes in some ways competition, right? We there was always a competition between Sheena and Stasi for Queen Bee. I, I mean, Sheena was terrible at it, <laughs> which is why it never worked for her. But, you know, in some ways, the girls almost conceded to just coexisting and just all bringing drama on the show and and you know they had falling falling out and then falling ins right they were kind of all over the place jacks and the guys and and in some sometimes i'm not saying this 100% but sometimes guys can be a lot more competitive right they want to like win so jacks and the guys definitely had more of a competition actually particularly jacks and sandoval i think james kind of was competing just to get in the group and feel in it permanently. Whereas I feel Schwartz was okay with being on a back burner, right? He was just kind of happy to be there. And then Sandoval and Jax, though, they always were at it, right? Remember the whole, I'm the number one guy in this group? (laughs) So that's kind of where I think things originated, okay? So let's take a look at season six. I'm not going to go into season six a lot, but I think that season six are where the seeds are first being planted. So in season six, it is apparent that Sheena and Tom Sandoval both hate Stassi and how popular she is, right? It is clear that, you know, no matter what, Jax and Stasi up until season six-ish were the stars. Okay, they all had an important role in the show. It was like a machine. They were all cogs in it. You know, we needed all of them. This is an ensemble cast. 
But, you know, it was clear that Stasi was kind of the the breakout star that Sheena thought she was going to be at the beginning. And I think that because Jax was so willing to be toxic on camera and then also admit to it, that that kind of propelled him into being the lead role. He was always the focus of storyline. He was usually, you know, the main guy. And unlike Sandoval and Schwartz, who were a lot more underhanded, right? I'm not saying Jax did less bad things than Tom and Tom, but Jax admitted to a lot of it. And if he got caught, he was like, okay, fine, I did it, right? (laughs) He would begrudgingly spit it out. He would give up information about other people too, like, there was a whole storyline about Tom and Tom being mad at Jax because he keeps telling on them, basically. And they they made it into a storyline of, like, we're mad at Jax because he's making up lies about us. Is he? Anyways. I do think that Jax always put the drama on the show and the entertainment factor of the show ahead of the boys club thing. Don't get me wrong. he would He would defend them and he definitely helped lie for them. But he would also throw them under the bus if it meant a good storyline, okay? So we know that there is this sort of, like, hatred also towards Stasi Because Stasi is also a star. Like Jack, she also has this kind of star quality, right? And I really think that Sheena and Sandoval kind of want to be the top dogs, but, like, they just don't necessarily have they have main character energy but do they have number one guy number one girl in the group energy no I don't think so so at the season six reunion Sandoval and and, uh, Sheena are coming after Stassi hard because LVP hires hired Stassi during season six to plan an event for her and they were so just, I don't even know what what to call them, babies, about having to work the event, about having to do what Stassi says, etc. You know, Lala jumps in and defends her and says, you know what, Stassi did a good job and she planned an event for me and she killed it, basically. And she worked her ass off. It wasn't just her standing around bossing people around. But Sandoval brings up the fact that she left the show two years ago. And that she doesn't even work at Sir anymore. And people are kind of like looking at him like, uh, this is an old storyline. Why are we talking about this? But him and Sheena are all about it. They're like, yeah, she left the show. Like, it's almost like they think that because she left, she shouldn't be allowed back in. Right? Like, you know, no takesy backsies. Anyways, but... (laughs) No one else seems to really care. Everyone's like, yeah, that was like two years ago. We're all kind of over that. Like, who cares, right? She came back. Her and Katie made up. She made her way back on the show and she's entertaining, right? She helps with ratings. Even Jax is like, okay, whatever. Because I think Jax also has an understanding that he's moved on. They've all moved on. So it's really weird that they're still harping on this. But again, like I said, they bring it up as their way of beating down on Stassi during the season six reunion, but no one else cares. So it dies. Okay. So then in season seven, we see the competition really heat up between Jax and Sandoval. So not only is Sandoval sort of trying to get rid of 
or trying to in some ways undermine Stasi and question her place. There's also this competition with him and Jax. Now, one thing that I will say as well is that, you know, him and Sheena have a mutual interest. Their mutual interest is Stasi. And Sandoval will use whoever he needs to take down whoever he's trying to take down. And what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, yeah. So, okay, I'm getting a little off in terms of my chronological order, but I do want to mention this. Someone sent this to me on Instagram. It's a clip of Sandoval during a podcast interview. And in the podcast interview, and this is from either around season six or seven. And basically, Sandoval starts bitching about Stasi's brother at the reunion and saying how it's not fair that they brought Stasi's brother out. And why are we giving this kid a platform? And then the host of the podcast even is like, are you going after a 10-year-old right now? And Sandoval's like, no, I, you know, I'm just saying, dude, I'm just saying that like, you know, why is he coming out and he gets to express all his opinions and, you know, give advice to the cast, basically, because they they brought him out and it was kind of like a shtick, like, let's bring him out and, you know, he'll give life advice to all the cast members. And it was funny because he's one of those kids that's like kind of like a grown up in a kid body in some ways. Like he kind of talks like a grown up. So it was funny. And the audience loved him. Bravo is going to bring it on because the audience likes him. Right. And that's it. It's in, you know, they like to split it up and have a funny segment that isn't so heavy, right? And it did the job and everyone loved it, right? So, but Sandoval, he couldn't just laugh at this and have fun with it because this is something happening for Stasi, right? This is people loving Stasi's family. This is people being more interested in extended parts of her life. People aren't really seeing that with him. You know, he even says something about like other people aren't having their families featured as much as Stasi is. Like, it really, the jealousy is seething on this podcast. Okay. I'm going to put up an accompany, accompaniment post with this episode and I will put the clip of the interview. It's actually kind of disgusting the way that he talks about this child, in my opinion. So, anyways. So we have that. And then we also have him, what I see as some competition with Jax and Sandoval, and it really heating up in season seven. Jax is really center stage in season six and seven. So season six, he's center stage, but I think Sandoval's okay with it because he's the villain. Because in season six, that's when he cheated on Brittany. Now, in season seven, He's sort of the reformed, quote unquote, villain. I mean, he's still Jax, don't get me wrong. But I think he had a lot more sympathy from the audience because his father passed. He had unexpectedly. He dedicated himself to Brittany. He proposes. And Sandoval seems to be really hating on this. He knows, because he probably knows, right? Jax is going to get a wedding special. That's going to be a whole other season of attention on him. And he's becoming sort of the the dedicated family guy. And then he's going to have a baby and buy a house and then and then and then. Right. So I think that really bothered Sandoval. OK, 
Okay. Meanwhile, we know Sandoval is with Ariana, who's not really interested in marriage or babies. So I think a part of Sandoval is like, where does my storyline go next? So Tom Sandoval makes a comment in season seven about Jax is probably just proposing because his dad died. So I do think this is him kind of planting the seeds, right? Sort of trying to poke holes in Jax's happy moment. Because it's sort of like, well, yeah, maybe he is doing it because of that. And Jax even says he is. Like he says, yeah, it opened my eyes to my priorities, what I care about in life, etc. I mean, whatever reason he's proposing, he's an adult man who's like 40. It's really not your business. Okay, and if they're happy, okay, what are you going to do? Tell them not to propose? I, it's crazy. Anyways, so Ariana also co-signs this. Now, I kind of, when I saw this, I was like, why does she even care? And then I was like, okay, yeah, she was friends with Brittany, but she knows Brittany isn't going to listen to her or change her mind about this. Brittany's going to do it. But I do think that Ariana always has to co-sign everything Sandoval says at this point. Okay, because this is when she's still deep in it. She loves Tom. She's, she, you know, she always wants to be his ride or die. And apparently they had this arrangement that they were not going to throw each other the, under the bus on camera and that they would sort of make their relationship look, quote unquote, perfect. OK, that's come out recently as well, because somebody found some interview with Sandoval from the past saying him and Kristen, that was their plan when they came on the show. But then it didn't work out because we know Kristen, you can't control Kristen. Uh, and Kristen is quite reactive, right? So something happens, <clears throat> she's going to react. Whereas Ariana is not, okay? So I think he, you know, him and Ariana did a pretty good job of it until recently, of course. Um, so Ariana and Tom in this whole season, they really come off like bitter Bettys, okay? They just seem so, like such downers and... And yeah, it kind of comes off as jealousy, if I'm being honest. It really does. Now, do I think Ariana is jealous of the what? No, I don't think she is. But it's almost like Tom is jealous that he's not the center of attention and that Jax is getting even more attention than he already got last season when he cheated on Britney and that he's also fully recovered from cheating on Britney, right? Like it's almost like his image is almost fully recovered. So I think that's annoying him. And... Ariana is, of course, supporting it because that's her man. So also on season seven, Schwartz and Sandoval discuss James getting fired for basically for how he's been talking to women, right? Like he's the fat shaming, calling them whores and all this stuff. And Schwartz says to Sandoval, yeah, he's doing this to himself, which he did. Let's be honest. Okay. But you can tell Sandoval is ready to say it's okay for James to call women names or something along those lines. But he doesn't because Katie is Schwartz's wife, right? And he knows that that's, he's not going to win that, right? So he's kind of like, Ugh, okay. And can I just point out the irony of seasons ago before this when Kristen was fired and Sandoval literally does a happy dance in his confessional being like, yeah, yeah. So he's allowed to be all happy when Kristen gets fired for telling the manager to suck a D. But James doesn't deserve to get fired for calling his 
women who work at the restaurant whores, sluts, and fat, and that they shouldn't wear those shorts, and that they look pregnant. So, okay, how does that make any sense? Clearly, it doesn't. All that matters is it's who Sandoval thinks should be fired and who shouldn't. And probably because Kristen obviously was his ex-girlfriend and is a woman. So anyways, just side note there. But, you know, Sandoval takes it so personally that James has gotten fired over this. But it's like, it's not even your business. It's like, why does he have to get so involved in everything? This is like the beginning of him always trying to insert himself. It's like he wants to make sure that he remains main character energy. So he's always interjecting. This is the pattern that we really start seeing in season seven it, that that wasn't as apparent before because he kind of had some of his own storylines more. And then in season seven, well, actually, he did really interject in Katie and Tom's marriage season. Let's not forget about that. But anyways, he's really extra. OK, also in this season, um, Ariana and Stasi are becoming friends, which is important. Okay, this is where I think Sandoval and Ariana first started to drift. Not because of Stasi, but I do just think that this is where maybe she is just becoming a little bit more independent in the way that she thinks. And I think she was more ride or die up until this point, but I think she also wants to have her own friendships, which makes sense. I feel like Ariana has this internal conflict or struggle the whole time she was with Sandoval. The struggle being between the fact that she is a strong-willed, opinionated person and the other side of her that loves her boyfriend so much and feels like to be a good girlfriend, she should be ride or die for him. And she should support him no matter what. I feel like she's constantly back, forth, back, forth with that struggle. Because I've seen some Housewives accounts that are kind of like anti-Ariana in some ways or trying to say how, yeah, we feel bad she got cheated on, but she was always a supporter of Sandoval and, and wasn't a girl's girl and da, da, da. I don't think that's accurate. I think Ariana was more of a back and forth. And I think she struggled with it. And I do think it's a common struggle. I think there's a lot of women who, you know, they might love their man very much, but in some ways they're embarrassed of him or he does things they don't agree with, but then they also want to be a good girlfriend, but then they also understand the other, you know, I think it's one of those. Um, and especially I think it became harder and harder with Sandoval because as I told you just a minute ago, his involvement in every single argument that isn't his really ramped up season seven and just continued increasing. Right. And that's going to that makes it harder for her. So anyways, um, Tom Sandoval goes to support James and Raquel in season seven at their apartment instead of going to the girls night at Sir that Ariana is literally hosting. So it's like, He'll even go against his own girlfriend and not go to support her at her girls' night event in order to kind of prove his viewpoint, which is that James is right, Katie's wrong. Because Katie was also hosting the girls' night, and it was James's See You Next Tuesday that got taken away from him, right? So James was sad. He also, in this season, soon after this, 
outs Ariana's bisexuality to Jax and others. Even though he had just, even though he's complaining about Jax to Ariana and he knows how Ariana feels about Jax, she's not a fan. He goes and tells Jax and his guy friends and they, they snicker about it like in this disgusting guy way, like they're almost like turned on or something like it, it you know it is not what ariana would want right he's telling it to them for sort of like fodder then in episode 11 um peter this is interesting i watched this scene a few times um peter invites some they have a guy's night quote unquote while the girls are on a, a girl's trip and Peter, it's Peter's birthday, I believe, or something, something about Peter. Anyways, Peter, it's episode 11, by the way, if you want to watch it, if I didn't say that. Peter invites some girls back to their hotel room. And Jax and Bo, because now we got Bo in the picture. And I think Bo coming in also kind of like reunited Stasi and Jax because they both were in happy relationships at this point. Just side note. Um... Bo seems uneasy about it. So does Jax. They don't want to get in trouble. Jax is like, I just got out of trouble. Bo is like, I'm dating the devil or whatever joke he makes, right? And Tom and Tom do not seem concerned at all. Like, they're like, yes, let the girls in. <laughs> like, they do not care. They're kind of acting like they're single. <laughs> Anyways, Sandoval makes the girls cocktails. And Peter actually hooks up with one of them. They go into like a back room or whatever, or I don't know, bathroom. I don't even know. And it's actually that girl, Dana, who ended up coming on the show later. Fun fact. Which, whatever. I don't care. She's single. He's single. That's the least of our worries here. And when this happens, Jax and Bo, they decide to run out to the balcony. Not when that happens, but just in general. They decide to get away. They go out to the balcony. They decide they're going to call their girlfriends and tell them because they want to make sure everything is, you know, kosher. They don't want to get in trouble. Okay. So they're on the balcony. They tell the girls about how there's these randoms, random girls in the hotel room. They have their little conversation. And, you know, Stassi and Brittany are pretty chill about it. And they actually seem kind of like, we trust you guys, which is very mature of them. And I don't know, maybe naive, but whatever. And at this point, after they get off the phone, Sandoval shows up on the balcony with one of the girls, just him and her. And they're kind of like in the background, like not right close to Jax and um, and Bo. She's a brunette. And he's clearly flirting with her. Like, I mean, beyond clearly. Okay. And the cameras turn to them. And all of a sudden you hear Sandoval pointing. And saying, oh, it's a good view, right? And they're hanging out super close. And he's standing so that his back is facing the camera. And she's in front of him and you can't see her. And you can't see what he's doing with his hands or arms. But I have a feeling it's not something that he should be doing. In my opinion. Okay. And then she says, and and we don't know the context, but then the mic kind of picks up and she says, you're the best, dude. Then she looks directly into the camera, like eye contact with camera, which they're not supposed to do. But obviously she's not a seasoned star on the show or anything she's just some random 
And she looks directly into the camera, eye contact, and said, uh, let's go back in. And Sandoval says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he has his hand on the small of her back, and he leads her back in. The girl looks like she's been warned to be good in front of the camera. And, you know, if there's any of you thinking, well, why would he take such a risk with the camera right there? Oh, I think he is turned on by that. I really think he enjoys the almost getting caught, you know, making it so obvious that people won't even suspect. Like, I think he's all about that. That's why I think he flirts with Raquel right on camera. He was probably, you know, under that hotel hot tub water. God knows we saw him, you know, smack her on the butt in that scene when Ariana was right there. So, Yes, he would. So later, same same part, um, Bo and Jax are on the balcony with Carter. And now Carter's talking on the phone because the girls, that's the whole reason the girl, ca- girls called. They wanted to, um, or actually maybe Jax called them. But either way, they wanted to talk to Carter about Kristen because she was acting crazy. And he's talking to the girls on the phone. And yeah, they all look like kind of weirded out like they know something's happening in the hotel room that shouldn't be happening, like not amongst each other. And Bo says, and this is very telling, he's like, hey, what's the problem? We're the good ones. Oh, okay. So you three are the good ones. So what does that mean about the others? And then he kind of tries to recover by going, at least I am. And then Jackson Carter are like, shut up or whatever, right? But clearly that is sarcastic and he's not trying to say that Jackson Carter aren't good. But I think he's clearly saying that Tom and Tom maybe aren't. And it's very weird to me that the camera is not back on in that hotel room. Now, I have some theories about this, which is that, I don't know, maybe those cameramen, whoever they had on them that day were paid off, were friends of theirs. I don't know. Clearly, there are things that get edited, left out of the show, never seen, never used. And sometimes it is at the favor of certain cast members. Okay. And then if you're saying, well, then why would they air out, you know, if they love Sandoval so much, why would they air out Scandoval? Well, you can't not air it out when Ariana literally calls producers. This is a cameraman is not the same as a producer. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying. Anyways. So, season seven finale. Sandoval has a confessional about basically, because, you know, Jax has gotten engaged and, and Sandoval has this confessional about all the crazy lies Jax used to tell girls, right? He starts going on about how Jax used to tell this lie to girls, that lie to girls, like to get them to sleep with him. It's weird because it's like, why is he beating this drum so hard? It's like he can't stand that Jax will no longer be the villain guy who cheats on his girlfriend. Like, I really think that he liked it when Jax was getting into all that because Jax was the villain guy. He was the good guy with like a dedicated girlfriend and a good relationship. And Jax is the one who cheats, right? And that covers for him, takes the smoke off him. And if Jax goes down the straight and narrow, then Sandoval is not going to have basically dirt on Jax to use against him later, right? Before they were sort of on this even playing field where I think they both 
had cheated and done bad things. So they didn't want to, you know, I don't want to out you because then you might out me and then it'll go back and forth. Right. But now it's like, oh, no, if Jax has admitted everything he's done or at least been caught for all of it, all his lies are out there. And now he's not going to cheat on Brittany, at least that we know of. You never know, obviously. And Sandoval will have nothing to hold against him, which makes Sandoval more vulnerable. Um, Even in the season seven reunion, Sandoval says Jax is a recovering sociopath. Like he said this during the reunion or during the season, regular season as well. He seems to enjoy saying that. Okay, takes one to know one. Anyways, so in season eight, we got the start of season eight. And I think we all remember this. We have more of the group think being established. So the first phase of it is just seeing how it slowly started to grow. Okay, so that's what I'm showing you so far. It slowly started growing with this mutual hatred of Stasi and Jax being so popular. It also kind of started with Sandoval, I think, feeling threatened with Jax's new role, right? It wasn't comfortable anymore. Before it was comfortable. Now Jax is changing. Mm, that makes him uneasy. Okay, there's going to be new group dynamics forming. So in season eight, Stasi's popularity is just skyrocketing. Okay, she's got the whole basic bitch thing. People love it. She's got fans. She releases her book. She's a New York Times bestseller. She created the OOTD thing hashtag that, you know, they got like a national day for it. Right. The popular I know, obviously, things have changed and she had her fall from grace. But I'm just talking about at this time. This is when Stasi wanted to have a book signing party at TomTom, Tom, which I'm sure you remember because a lot of especially if you're on social media, because a lot of people have been pulling clips from it of when Tom freaked out on Stasi in the restaurant and how he seemed like almost happy to ruin her day. A lot of people have been referencing that. Even in this fight, though, Schwartz was against him. And Schwartz is still on the fence at this time as well. So Sandoval doesn't really have his full kind of group dedicated to him because at this time, Sheena is still confused about how to be Queen Bee. She still wants it. She still knows she dislikes Stasi, But Sheena is smart enough to know that Stasi's popular and that these girls are not going anywhere. Well, they do later, but she has no idea that's going to happen, right? So in her mind, she's like, listen, these girls are staying on the show. I gotta, I want to be on the show too. People like them. I got to figure it out. So, you know, Sheena's still kind of, she's willing to bend and Schwartz has to bend because he's married to Katie, right? He can't just, you know, we all know he never takes Katie's side or defends her, but he still has to kind of front like he is, okay? So this is why at this point, like I said, things are being established, but we don't have like a strong group think dynamic yet. So Sandoval would not give in and he belittles. Um, Sandoval will not give in. Like he will not admit that he was wrong. He sends Stasi all these rage texts. He's so bothered that she's going to be having this event at TomTom. And even though Schwartz said it was OK, Lisa Vanderpump said it was OK. And even Schwartz is like, it's fine. The event is going fine. I figured out all the problems and solved them. This is our friend. We're doing this favor for her. It's good for the restaurant. And instead, Sandoval like belittles Schwartz's abilities to run the restaurant. He says basically, oh, well, 
you, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know how to manage it, all this other stuff. But he really has no good reason that he can come up with for his blow up about the event. The only thing he comes up with is something like my bartenders can't work a 12 hour shift or something. But even Schwartz is like, I figured that out. So it really makes no sense. Katie is the only one to, well, Stassi does later as well. But Katie says Sandoval's just mad because it's at his restaurant and it's not about him. And quite frankly, I think that's a lot of it as well. Schwartz even says that Tom and Ariana are an echo chamber of negativity, which is a pretty wow statement for Schwartz, because Ariana is, of course, as usual, co-signing all of this, saying, you know, they should have let Sandoval handle it, given him more of a heads up, and basically trying to defend her man. Sandoval is just beyond triggered when Schwartz calls Stasi a client <laughs> but then when he says Stasi is their friend, Sandoval's okay with that. But like I said, you know, Schwartz is on the borderline here because he's married to Katie and Katie is really good friends with Stasi. And Stasi and Schwartz have like a special relationship. They just do. They always got along. They were close. Remember Stasi went on Katie and Schwartz's honeymoon? I people might look back and see that's a red flag, but I thought that was hilarious. Like she pops up in the back of the video and she's like, hey guys. <laughs> It was clear, though, the three of them had this, like, fun kind of friendship, right? And so, yeah, I do think that Schwartz has this, had this, like, affinity for Stasi. Then later on, after, so they have this whole blow up at the restaurant, and later on, Sandoval says, Stasi yelling in the bar is, was unappro- unprofessional, inappropriate, and basically reminiscent of her brattiness from the past. Here we go again. This guy cannot stop talking about everyone's past. It's like he has no ability to fathom that people may have changed or grown in any way. Do I think Stasi had grown in every way since her beginning on the show? No. There's a lot of stuff she clearly needed to improve on. But was she the exact same as she was when she started on the show? No, there was some change. Let's no, that's just a fact. Okay. Sandoval also expresses that he is the one that books events and he only lets it go when Stasi finally relents and says, okay, fine. Next time I'll go through you. And it just shows he does not want Schwartz to be the head guy. I think he's already freaking out that Jax is going to be not only the most popular on the show, but maybe not the most popular for being a villain. And now here comes this threat that Schwartz is sort of taking a power position in the running of the business, right? The only one who really cares about being the number one guy in the group is Sandoval. I mean, Jax cares, but he doesn't care to the same level as Sandoval, in my opinion. So Other things about Stassi's book, this is a little side note that I thought was interesting. They're at the airport and they actually, I believe they shared the camera footage with the producers who play it in one of the episodes in this season. They're at the airport and Stassi sees her book at the airport bookstore and she's all excited. So she goes and she takes it from the shelf and she puts it on one of those little like book display things like on like the front table. And again, it's a bookstore at the airport. Like, anyways, whatever. (laughs) So I, to be honest, 
I'd probably do the same thing. If I was a published author, I mean, that is something to be proud of. So I can understand just wanting to put it there and take a picture. So later in the airport, Stasi overhears Ariana saying to Sandoval, and apparently she said it twice, I was in there for 45 minutes and I didn't see the book at all. Okay, what? So is she trying to say that Stasi lied and like planted the book in there? I mean, I guess that's possible, but Stasi's like, no, my my it's not that hard to believe that a number one New York Times bestselling book would be at an airport bookstore. That's actually where I would expect to find it because people just want a lot of times people just buy those romance novels or those like lighter, like, you know, mystery books. <laughs> it's not far fetched at all. I'm sorry. It's just not. And maybe they only had one or two copies because airport bookstores don't have a lot of copies. So anyways, so. So Ariana says this and like I was thinking, why does she care? But then I thought, you know what? She's probably trying to make Sandoval feel better because she was saying it to Sandoval. She was probably saying, oh, don't worry, honey. Her book isn't even in there. She's just she made all this up because that's going to make him feel better. And we know he's having some insecure meltdown. Then, apparently, Stasi, Kristen, and Lala, and one of the other reasons I believe this is because Lala co-signs it, and I don't think Lala makes up stuff about cast members just for no reason. She's never done that. Yes, she was not honest about Randall, like I said last episode, but in terms of cast members and stuff, she doesn't make up stuff about cast members. And they go back in the store, and the book is gone from the display. So Stasi had put it on the display to take a picture, and then it was gone. And they say, like, we think Ariana and Tom went and took it off the display. Woo! If that's not petty, I don't know what is. Then, in season eight, we have the infamous police car prank. So this is when th- there was some prank they were doing on, maybe it was on Randall or, or no, they did a prank on Schwartz or something. And... Or no, Schwartz did a prank. I don't even remember. It was like, I think it was the one where they toilet papered someone's house. Anyway, so for revenge, Rand decides to help others, Sandoval and others, come up with a prank to get Schwartz. And basically he hires a, I don't even know if it was a fake police car, but it looked legit. Okay, so I don't know if this is from his, you know, movie industry career or whatever, but a police car comes saying they're going to be arresting people for vandalism. Everyone thinks it's hilarious and is cracking up laughing, but not Katie. Katie makes it clear that she found this to be really insensitive considering everything happening with police brutality and Black Lives Matter and George Floyd, rest in peace, and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I agree with Katie. Like, they, this was right during that time, too. This was not a year before, 
five years after. Like, this was right when that had happened. So it is insensitive. Even Ariana co-signs this because, again, here we have the battle of the Arianas, the I love my boyfriend. I don't I want to be the cool, chill girl. I don't want to be like the girl like Katie who, you know, gets upset and ruins the fun. But then Ariana is also a very socially aware person. You know, she cares about social issues. She's sensitive to that kind of stuff, right? So we know that, you know, she's gonna she's gonna have to admit that she agrees with Katie because she does. And she says, yes, I, I see what Katie is saying. She co-signs it. Now, not enough to go and call the guys on it, if we're gonna be honest, but enough to let Katie know, you know, you're not alone. I, you are right. This is insensitive. Now, during this, obviously, they've all been drinking and etc. And Schwartz is his usual abrasive, jerkish, drunk self. And he starts ranting. He freaks out. He starts ranting about how he hates cancel culture. Katie's disgusting. This is why I don't have sex with her anymore. He's never been turned off. He calls her an idiot. Like, just the vitriol spitting from this man's mouth is so disgusting. I don't care how many rage texts she sent. If that's the way that he'll talk to her on camera, then God knows what he says to her off. Whatever rage text Katie sent him, I'm sure he deserved it. So even Sandoval, though, steps in and is like, Schwartz, like, stop. Like, he starts pushing him out of the room, like, away from the cameras. He's, like, trying to put his arm on his face. Like, he's like, shut up. Because Sandoval knows this doesn't look good. This does not look good for him and Tom's image. Like, they have this Tom Tom brand image where, you know, Sandoval's the star and Tom is, like, his goofy sidekick. And this doesn't go with the persona that Tom plays on camera where he's like, duh, this, like, goofy nice guy who you know, is just like laid back and chill. This shows us something very different. And in my opinion, the real Schwartz. So, you know, Sandoval knows Katie needs to be the evil one, not Schwartz, right? So Schwartz eventually in the season, he does eventually apologize to Katie, but, you know, he doubles down. It's not a good apology because he's like, sorry, but he says he's dumbfounded by the way she reacted and that she needs to stop being a social justice warrior. Uh, okay, Schwartz. I, I don't think just saying that you thought the joke was a bit insensitive is being a... First of all, I don't even think that's being a social justice warrior. That's just Katie having an opinion that's not the same as yours. And on top of that, even if she was being one, who cares? Let Katie be who she is authentically. She doesn't need to bend to be who you want her to be. Like, just Wow. Anyways, episode 17. Let's move along here. Um, we have this whole pickleball thing that I know we all want to forget about it and forget about Rand and that he ever existed and that he ever brought pickleball on the show because now it just makes us think of how disgusting he is. But anyways, they play the game and I just wanted to point this out. It's episode 17. Sandoval is so insanely competitive like, not even normal level fun competitive, like, insane. Like, he's, like, yelling at everyone. I, I just can't. Anyways, <laughs> just wanted to point that out. So, in episode 18, Jax questions Sandoval about his relationship with Ariana. And this is interesting because this has come up 
uh, this season. And I believe it is something that was questioned. Ariana was questioned about this by Andy Cohen on Watch What Happens Live. And Jax has a lot of questions. He's like, is your relationship good? How are things going with Ariana? It's like he knows something. And Sandoval keeps saying, no, we're good. We're good. Everything's great. We don't, he even says something like we don't fight, which is crazy. Like what couple doesn't fight? Every couple fights sometimes. Jax doesn't buy it. And he seems to know something is up. Maybe he knows their relationship isn't going that well. Right. That's what he says later. And we hear him say that in confessionals. Later, Jax freaks out at Sheena about how mad he is that Tom and Ariana don't share anything and that everyone calls him a liar when really it's everyone else who's hiding stuff. Now, don't get me wrong, Jax, Jax could have been successful with this storyline in season eight, but he is completely unhinged this season. Like, you can tell he's going crazy <laughs> this season, So it was like when the messenger is acting crazy, no one's going to listen to the message. That's what was happening. Okay, half of what he says is true. Half is unhinged. Right. And then he shoots himself in the foot because he takes it way too far, saying things like Ariana uses her depression whenever it's convenient, stuff like that. So it's, it's easy to ignore everything that Jack says. And again, this works to Sandoval's advantage, right? Because it's like, look at Jax. He's insensitive. He's, he's, you know, he's having a meltdown, whatever. But I think that Jax in this season, because this is the season where they try to bring in the new people. I mean, it's like a fever dream, those new people. Like, I just try to forget it ever happened. But anyways, they brought in all those new people like Char, uh, well, yeah, Charlie, Dana, Danica, Max. So they and what was the other guy's name? I can't remember. Anyways, so they bring in all these new people. And I really think that Jax was spiraling, but for a different reason than Sandoval. I think that Jax was spiraling because the new people to him meant the old cast is not carrying its own weight. And the old cast doesn't have anything exciting enough going on to carry the show alone. I think that's what Jax took it as. I also think that Jax knew that he had been carrying the show with all his cheating and shenanigans for six seasons or seven seasons. But Jax wasn't doing that anymore. And he knows. He knows that his engagement wedding storyline is only going to go so far. Like, that's not enough to keep the show afloat. He knows they need, like, heavy drama, right? He knows they need more just messy group kindness because that's what Vanderpump Rules was it was always that every season there were suspicions or accusations about someone cheating there were these blow like it was just every season and then you know season seven and eight it did start to cool so Jack's is spiraling because of that but I don't think Sandoval was spiraling because of that I think Sandoval actually saw the new cast as a prop to his ego because quite a few of them were his employees, right? So I feel like he saw this as his opportunity to transition to a higher level, right? Almost like he's taking steps towards becoming LVP level, right? Like, oh, now the staff 
of Tom Tom are going to be on the show. And I'm going to be like the wise man who guides them as they start their journeys. Right. I think that's the way Sandoval saw it. And I think his ego is too big for him to ever think he'd be off the show. I think he really always thought he'd have a spot and felt comfortable with that. And I think his ideal would be to be like the hero, grown up guy who kind of, you know, the younger guys look to. I think he would love that. So, you know, we have really different things happening to these two male characters. Sandoval and Jax, right? And then we also have all this other competition like um, Brittany and Jax buy a house, Katie and Tom buy a house, and then Ariana and Tom also buy a house. And it's kind of implied like people were a little confused about Ariana and Tom getting the house since they weren't getting married and they weren't going to have kids. And people were kind of like, well, why do you need this big house? So there was a little bit of that going around, which I mean... I'm not really, I mean, two people who are married, not married, but two people who are dedicating themselves to each other, whether they're going to get married or not, and who feel they have a future together buying a house, whether they have kids or not, I that doesn't make a difference to me. However, looking back on it now, that seems to be one of those questions. Like Sheena asked Sandoval in the finale, why did you buy a house with her? And he was like, well, I thought it was a Band-Aid solution. I actually don't think that's why he bought the house. I think he bought it to compete with Jax. (laughs) I really do. I think he couldn't stand the fact that Katie and Tom were buying a house. And so were Jax and Brittany. He didn't want to be the only one of the main three guys in the group to not be moving to this next level. It was about finances, ego, everything. He wanted to show I'm in the same place as them. I can do it too. And mine's going to be even better. Hence the whole furniture thing, right? Sandoval says in his confessional that he's not going to be basic like his friends. And he could have been basic and kept all the furniture that came with it, but he didn't, right? And they're going to take all this time to get, you know, unique, perfect furniture, whatever, so, that, I mean, that's just a little dig, but still. Um, also in the season, I'm getting way off topic for a second, but also in the season, just to go along with the whole Sheena, Stassi thing, Sheena and Stassi get into it and Stassi tells Sheena, and I made note of this because I do think it's important for later. Um, Stassi says, Sheena, you have no loyalty to anyone and one day it's going to bite you in the ass. I just want like, my God, is that true? (laughs) Like, if that didn't come true this season 10, I don't know what did. Anyways, so just side note, but we're going to get a little bit more into this too. Um, Then we get to the season eight reunion. This was the virtual reunion. Okay. And Sandoval at the reunion, it's like people are questioning him. Why were you so mad about the Stasi book signing situation? And he can't even really put his finger on it. Like there may be a part of him that didn't even know at this point. Bo says he was also really confused about it because at one point, you know, they were out, they were all drinking, having fun. And Sandoval even seemed excited about it. He was like, I'm going to make a basic bitch cocktail, all this stuff. So They were all so lost about it. It made no sense. Andy suggests, well, maybe you're jealous. And Sandoval hates this. 
He even says my his biggest fear in life is to be accused of being jealous. Which I think is crazy. That's your biggest fear in life is to be accused of being jealous? Weird. That just makes me think that he is jealous constantly of everyone. And doesn't want people to know. Like a lot of times people's biggest fears revolve around their biggest insecurity. And clearly that is Sandoval's biggest insecurity. Right? He's... He wants to be the number one guy. That's why he was so bothered when Jax said that. Like, look at how Schwartz brushed that off. Jax was like, I'm the number one guy in this group. And Schwartz just like laughed and never talked about it again. Sandoval brings it up more than once after it's said. And yeah, it became a joke. I get that. But you could tell it bugged Sandoval. He talked about it in his, in his confessional. He was bothered. So during this reunion as well, Schwartz tries desperately to apologize for how he treated Katie after the police prank. And I mean, oh God, because I think he sees like it did not go over well with the audience. And Sandoval even jumps in and is like, yeah, dude, I would go after you too. Like saying, if you ever do that again, I'll go after you or something like that. Like, since when do you care about Katie? Anyways, but he knows, again, it's what's best for the TomTom brand. And Sandoval needs to keep that going. He needs that brand to stay intact. So he doesn't push, you know, that police prank thing. He's not going to push that. He knows he can't win, right? He's not dumb. He's dumb in some ways, but he's also not dumb, okay? Um, they also talk about Lala doing an Instagram live during during the season eight reunion, And in the Instagram live, Lala stated that ever since she made amends with the rest of the group, such as Stassi, Katie, etc., Sandoval and Ariana have basically ditched her. And Lala says they only liked me when I was struggling and floundering and had no friends. Hmm. Interesting. It does seem like that. It does seem like Sandoval and them, when all the other girls hated Lala, Sandoval and Ariana were all about her. And then when she became friends with him, okay, you've gone over to the bad side, the dissenters. So, you know, Sandoval's done with you. That's really what it is. That's how he operates. And that's why I think that him and Sheena... I think that's why Sheena became one of his little minions, because Sheena could just never make it work with the other girls for all these other reasons that I'm not getting into today. But Sheena just could never make it work with those girls. She didn't fit in with those girls. So he took her in. Right. Plus, she has this close friendship with Ariana, you know, and he can't shun Ariana for making up with those girls because that's his girlfriend and he's too far in. So there's that that should be sailed. Okay. Now we have this whole other kind of issue about the pastor that happens in season eight. So if you don't remember, Jax and Brittany were hiring a pastor to be to officiate their wedding. And then it came out that this pastor had said all these terrible homophobic things, etc. So it gets brought up on the show and it becomes kind of like a thing that Sandoval harps on quite a bit. And they ask about it. And Andy asks Sandoval 
why why did you wait to bring it up until you were on camera and it was two weeks before the wedding? Why didn't you bring it up when you found out about it? Because it comes out that like Ariana and Tom or whoever knew about it long before. So I guess Andy was just kind of trying to say, why didn't you say anything before? Like, why would you wait this long? Like that, you know, because it kind of, because Jax was accusing him of being inauthentic. Like Jack was like, Jax was trying to say, you don't really care about this. You just care about taking me down. I think Jax is probably right. I hate to say it. Jax was, Jax played that situation totally wrong. The second he found out that the pastor was making those homophobic comments, he should have just fired him then and there. But I think Jax, it seemed like Jax didn't want to upset Britney and, you know, he, he was like a friend of Britney's family or whatever, right? So he didn't do the right thing, which is fire the guy. And then, yeah, Sandoval swooped in and was like, oh, here's a good thing I can use to, you know, make Jax look like even more of a bad guy than I have in the past. Not that he did it, but that Jax has in the past. And I mean, it did mostly work because people were so angry about the pastor that a lot of people were like, well, Sandoval's just trying to do the right thing. But now that I look back on it, yeah, maybe Ariana was trying to do the right thing because she seemed like she actually cared. But Sandoval didn't really seem like he cared. He just seemed like he wanted to get Jax for something. And as we know, everything Sandoval does is very self-motivated. Jax also replies and says, well, it seemed like you just brought it up after we'd already fired the guy and hired a new pastor. Jax is like, you bring it up again, which makes it seem like you're just trying to have a moment. And he says, and on top of that, he says to Sandoval, you have employees who on Twitter have made racially insensitive tweets. But Sandoval doesn't, he doesn't say anything about that. He just kind of deflects and he's like, you don't even care about racial inequality, Jax. But, okay, if we're going to be honest, Sandoval didn't have any issue with the police prank, so I don't know. Anyways, so Sandoval kind of deflects like he usually does. And then he also says, well, I don't have the power to fire Max because I guess Max was, was one of the ones who made one of the insensitive tweets. Okay, so... You know, we have them. You can just tell that these two guys are just using these social and political issues to fire at each other back and forth. Do either of them really care about these issues? I'm going to say probably not, but they have no problem using them as ammunition against each other. It's actually really sad. And along a little bit more into this reunion, Sandoval even makes, I just wanted to point this out because Sandoval makes a comment to Jackson. He says something about like, oh, you expect your mom to call you after all the shit you talk about her? Wow. I just, when I rewatched it, I was kind of surprised. I was like, wow, I can't believe he said that. Like, I'm not trying to be Team Jax at all, but it's like, why would you say that about someone when he's not talking to his mom because his mom didn't tell him that his dad was dying? Like, why are you even bringing that up? That seems like... It's just it just kind of further goes along with my point that Sandoval will keep anything in his back pocket. He's ready. Okay. Now, Tom and Ariana as well during this reunion, they this is the reunion where they cheer on Raquel. And they're like, "Go Raquel, she's a queen." Oh my god. And and again, it's virtual and Raquel's kind of feeling herself. And 
also in this reunion, um, you know, Sheena kind of defends Raquel as well and says Lala comes after the nice girls. So again, we have these groups kind of forming, right? Sheena's sort of like, these are the mean girls. The nice girls are me, Ariana and Raquel because we're nice and we're chill and we hang with the guys and the mean girls are Lala and Katie who and Kristen and Stassi who like you know get upset over stuff they shit in and right so we have these groups really starting to form and to me this is where they really started forming and then what happens after the season is what creates the group think okay We also, before I get to that, um, Lala says something interesting. She says that Sheena is dangerous because she'll play victim and use the other person to make herself look innocent. That is so Tom and Tom as well. Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz play victims so much and they're so good at trying to make other people look like the villain to make themselves look good, just like Raquel. So if you listen to my first episode and you remember me saying that, those are the people you got to watch out for. The people who have to have a villain. And we see that happening. Sheena's always got to have a villain, right? And Sheena also says, Tom Sandoval is one of the most amazing friends she's ever had. And that he was definitely just looking out for Jax with the pastor thing. So there you go. Tom has got little Sheena co-signing everything. Ariana is going to co-sign it all because Ariana actually cares about this as a social issue. Right. And she's also pissed at Jax because Jax has been saying rude things about her, which is, again, why I said Jax really sank himself this season. So overall, end of season eight, you know, being supportive of Raquel really means that Sandoval and Ari, because sorry, Sandoval and Ariana are being supportive of Raquel. That really means that they have James because James is with Raquel. So they're a package deal at this point. They also have Sheena because Sheena hates Stassi and Katie and is close with Ariana. And because Sheena also wants like Queen Bee status. So Sheena's good with taking these girls down. So now we have kind of this group forming, right? Raquel, Sheena, James, right? We've got this group, okay? We have kind of roles and clear teams going into season nine. Then something wild happens. The world has already changed in a way that none of us could have expected with the COVID-19 pandemic. And because of this, People have more time to reflect social issues and, you know, societal attitudes are shifting and changing, right? We have all these movements, okay? And because of this, people are becoming more aware, more sensitive, whatever you want to call it. And I don't mean sensitive in a bad way. I just mean less desensitized to issues going on around them. Because of this, we know Stasi and Kristen are fired because people reflect back on what they had done to Faith. And people are pissed, rightly so, that they had Faith fired and that they called the police on this woman. Right? So they're fired and Jax is fired. 
which it's really not surprising <laughs> between the pastor and Jack's like, you know, speaking rudely about Ariana's bisexuality and all this other stuff. Like, it's really not that shocking. People were so done with Jack's. He was acting so unhinged. He was just blowing up in every scene. He wasn't supporting his points well. Even if when he did have points to make, he he just he wasn't doing it. Anyways, so that was it. They're off the show. And Tom Sandoval has formed this group. And now he doesn't even have to fight because most of the other team is gone. His biggest male competition, Jax, is gone. Okay, he is now the number one guy on the show. And everyone loves him at this point. I remember being on Reddit after Jax got fired and kind of checking out what people were thinking. And on social media, people were so happy Jax was gone. And everyone was talking about how Tom Sandoval and Ariana, they are the it couple. They are the best. People were loving Raquel and James, too, at the time. Like, oh, they're so hot. They're like the future. And then people were like, yeah, Tom Sandoval and Ariana, they are sensitive to social issues. They get it. They're this, they're that. So, wow, what a change. I mean, unbelievable, right? So it's crazy the way, God, can I go so far as to say as like COVID caused Scandoval partly? Because I might have to go there. Anyways, so next goal for Sandoval, we got to get rid of Lala, Katie, and any other contrarians that are going to try to take down his credibility and likability. I think something happened here that really shook everyone's world. And I think this is where Sandoval's ego went from, you know, hitting the roof to through the roof. Okay, because at this point, he is like, he just got catapulted from like second guy in the group to first and kind of only big presence because even James is still James is still a lone wolf in some ways. James is still kind of, you know, he's still a little bit unhinged and hard to control and all that kind of stuff. So James has always had trouble fitting in because of his issues with the ladies. Right. So it's you know, James is not an issue for Sandoval. Okay. And so now we have season nine. And this is where the group think really starts to rear its ugly head. So at the beginning of season nine, we have the controversy of Schwartz and Sandys. Well, one of many. The name. It is clear as day. If you go back and rewatch season nine from the beginning, as I just did, it is clear as day that Schwartz hates this name. Katie mentions as well that, you know, she wants a part in the restaurant. She's grown up in the industry. She's worked in restaurants since she was 13. It runs in her family. And I mean, Schwartz being his usual verbally abusive self, gaslighter, whatever you want to call him, Schwartz says, yeah, but, you know, she doesn't like people. Like, he kind of says that in one of his confessionals, which, by the way, is kind of a clue to me that Tom Schwartz really thinks owning a restaurant is about schmoozing and socializing. First of all, she's worked in restaurants all this time. So 
yeah, maybe she doesn't love working with the public, but that's only one part of the job. Does that mean she can't take care of operations and scheduling and other behind the scenes stuff? Absolutely not. Like, it's crazy. Anyways, it's very Sandoval thinking, very surface level thinking of a restaurant. So this is really when Sandoval begins his takedown of Katie. Right now, he's kind of got his little group. And yeah, they're not all as strongly on board as they are season 10, but he's still kind of got it. And really, the biggest issue is the biggest issues, sorry, are Katie and Lala. Katie being married to Schwartz is difficult. Okay. I don't know if Sandoval ever really thought he'd have the power to get them to get divorced. And and I'm not saying they got divorced because of Sandoval, but I do think it was part of it. But I do think that he thought he could at least get her out of the restaurant thing. And he just kind of somehow he made that dream come true. Anyways, so Sandoval mentions that, you know, why would they want Katie helping with the restaurant? He kind of tries to imply that she's lazy, saying that the whole pandemic she sat around playing with Legos, quote unquote. Oh, okay. Isn't that what we were supposed to do? Like, there's people who spent the pandemic in bed. There's people who had depression. There's people who were sick from COVID. There's people who died. I mean, like, what did he, what was he expecting her to do? Anyways, and like, sorry, not everyone handles it the same way. Not everyone feels motivated to go work out or to paint their whole house. Like, everyone dealt with it in a different way. Anyways, also, weren't we all getting praised for staying at home? Anyways, (laughs) we had to pass the time. So, Sandoval starts yelling at Schwartz. They start arguing about the name and he starts talking about that he was so inspired with that name because, you know, he created the brand Tom Tom and, you know, he's the genius who came up with things like the motorcycle and the sidecar and he's why Lisa chose them to be the inspiration for Tom Tom, which is really rude, by the way, because it's really saying like Schwartz had nothing to do with it. And again, it's like, Sandoval, you can tell, sees Schwartz as the sidekick. He's the main character, right? Schwartz admits to Sandoval that, yeah, it was actually me who said that the name sucks, not Katie. (laughs) And he admits he's the one who said the name was uninspired. But he also kind of does it. Like, he sort of takes it back almost right away. He just looks so intimidating, intimidated, sorry, by Sandoval in this scene and Sandoval is absolutely losing it. He's like ranting and he's he's raised his voice. And, you know, like when he gets mad and he's like, Wah! like, it's kind of like that. And later in around the same episode, Ariana and LVP discuss that Ariana and Tom Sandoval are putting their house up as collateral for the restaurant. And She's going on to LVP about how, oh, it won't affect her. They're just taking the collateral out or whatever on his half. And LVP is like, um, no, that's not how it works. And Ariana's like, yeah, don't worry. I don't know who told Ariana this or why she believed that them taking out collateral, their house as collateral for this restaurant would not affect her like LVP's like if the restaurant goes under and you default on that loan yes that's gonna affect you 
Anyways, Ariana seems pretty convinced of this. And again, I think she listens to way too much of what Sandoval tells her and trusts it when she shouldn't. Later, Katie basically tells Schwartz that he's being a little bitch (laughs) about the name situation and that and he says, no, I'm not a pushover. And then Sandoval enters and Schwartz says, Katie thinks you're steamrolling me. Like, come on, Schwartz. He's such a baby. And Schwartz admits, he goes, okay, yes, I do think that you're steamrolling me. Finally. But Sandoval doesn't even consider what Schwartz says or Schwartz's feelings. He just goes, I don't steamroll you. And literally, that's the end of it. Like, the amount of power that this man has in his relationship with Schwartz, in a friendship, it's insane. Schwartz then says, you know what? This whole thing is my fault. I need to be more assertive about my feelings. Okay, so it's Schwartz's fault now. Then Ariana, you know, around the same time feels she's feeling a little bit blah about. So this is kind of later on a cup in the next episode. Ariana feels a little bit blah about how much money and effort Sandoval put into Rachella, the proposal, whatever. And again, like it's she's sort of ignoring red flags here. Um, And she kind of implies like she kind of says, oh, if he did that for her to propose to her, she would definitely say yes. So booyah to all you people out there who are like, she didn't want to get married. Yeah, she would have. But he wasn't proposing, was he? He was too busy spending money on someone else's. Anyways. So, you know, we've really got like, Ariana's not getting what she wants. And she clearly wants more. Schwartz is not able to voice what he really wants. It's like everyone is orbiting around the sun. The sun being Sandoval. And if you get too close, you get burned. Because he's good. He's a good gaslighter. He's good at biting back and he's good at controlling things. So moving on a little bit, um, Schwartz also seems annoyed with the Rachella thing this season because he's like, why are you spending all this money on James's proposal when we're struggling with the bar and it's not even open and we need money? But of course, this is in a confessional and he doesn't say it to Sandoval. So again, it's like, why is Ariana and why is Schwartz saying all these things in confessionals and not to Sandoval's face? Maybe it's because it's easier to say it there when they don't have someone biting back assertively and aggressively. And also because maybe they're kind of hoping that Sandoval will watch it back and realize, I don't know, like I do think that could be it as well. But it just shows kind of the power dynamic that has come to fruition in season nine. And it really shows the groupthink starting. Like no one wants to upset Sandoval. Except the outliers like Katie and Lala because they don't care. Anyways, (laughs) but they're not in the groupthink, right? They're not in the circle. So also Sandoval says that he, him and James actually split the cost of the proposal and it was $24,000. So in case you forgot and you just want another reason to be annoyed, um, Sandoval spent $12,000 on a proposal that wasn't his. Okay. 
I'll just add that to my list of reasons why I think him and Raquel were already sleeping together during season nine. So Schwartz says he now likes the name now that he's seen what Sandoval did with Rachella. Schwartz, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it's like he tried to make logical sense of it by being by saying, OK, well, you know, he was so creative with Rachella. So his creative genius, he must be right about the name of the restaurant. So do we see the reaching here that is happening? Okay, and I want to go over to something now. Now that we've really got the groupthink occurring, I want to go over to the eight key traits of groupthink. So I'm not going to read all eight of them at once, but I'm going to just kind of name them as they come up. So one of them is rationalization. And what that is, is when members of the group rationalize potential warning signs that should cause group members to question their beliefs. Schwartz should have been questioning, which he was a little bit to give him credit, questioning Sandoval spending all that money, but instead he rationalized it. Sandoval's a creative genius. Sandoval gets passionate with projects. Look what a great job he does. This must mean he's going to open an amazing restaurant and he must be right about the name. Right? We also get this sort of, how, how do I call it? Illusions of invulnerability. Okay. So this is where this kind of starts. Actually, you know what? I'll come back to that later. So when Katie and Ariana are kind of discussing, so this is later on in the season, they're discussing how they can help with Schwartz and Sandys. And again, Schwartz comes back with that line that Katie isn't that sociable. And it doesn't make, again, it doesn't make any sense. Let's also keep in mind that Katie was LVP's star employee. I believe LVP says that. She's like, Katie was like one of my best restaurant employees. She worked with me for like 10 years. Over a decade, she says. Sorry. And I can we be honest? I kind of think Ariana's the one who's not that sociable. And I'm not saying that as a dig or shade to Ariana. She's just, she just, she kind of isn't. Which, that's fine. She's more of a homebody there, you know, people used to like call her grumpy cat, you know, even Sheena called her like bitchy Barbie once, which again, that's Sheena's issue. But it's not like, let's not pretend that Ariana is like, was like the most social outgoing is the kind who would go up to people and be schmoozing. Like, I don't really see her as that. And that's again, it's not a fault. That's just not her. So anyways, again, it's always like, we got to go after Katie, right? So Sandoval then goes back and brings up the fight with him and Stassi from last season. Stassi's not even on the show. So he kind of tries to rewrite history when they're all talking about, you know, the roles that they could do in the restaurant. And he tried to and he has the audacity to say that that fight with Stassi was Katie's fault. What? Like he uses this in the moment to say, no, Katie and Katie shouldn't have any role in Schwartz and Sandy's. 
that, you know, Katie was part of the cause of the scene at TomTom that day. I'm sorry, what? Excuse me, sir. You were the one who sent a bunch of rage texts to Stasi, then went to the restaurant when you weren't needed there and started yelling at Stasi. And yes, she yelled back, but he started it. Anyways. So Katie points out that she's like, you know what, Sandoval, you just don't want me to work at the restaurant because I'm not just just going to smile and say that everything you do is amazing, which my God, is that accurate? And again, at this point in the show's history, people are still stuck on that, like, Katie sucks, Katie's a mean girl. Like, people are still harping on the way she acted during her wedding season and the way that, like, you know, when her and Sheena had a fight. It's like, get over it, okay? Because what's happening now is what matters. And she's right in this case, okay? So Sandoval brings up Katie, you know, sending a rage text to Sheena, also from the past, even Katie and Ariana look so confused (laughs) and they look at him and they go, that was seven years ago. And Tom's like, yeah, so? Um, it was seven years ago, Sandoval. So Ariana actually says, um, she's changed and Schwartz agrees. And he goes, yeah, she doesn't send rage texts anymore. Like she's grown since then. And then they also point out that Sandoval just did that recently with Stasi. So what's more relevant? Someone who sent a rage text seven years ago and has stopped and has apologized and tried to correct that behavior or not do it as much or whatever, or someone who just did it recently and isn't sorry at all. So uh, Sandoval kind of gets mad, of course, that Ariana is taking Katie's side. And... Ariana says she wishes Tom would base his opinion off of Katie now instead of Katie in the past. And I love that. You know, I love that Ariana, although she still loves Tom and stuff, she can see, she still kind of sees what he's doing, which is one of the reasons I think he started to to stray. And I'm not blaming Ariana. I'm just saying that he wanted a fangirl. And we see slowly Ariana being a little bit more assured in herself. Don't get me wrong. She was still his ride or die. She still loved him. She still wanted to marry or not marry, but be with him forever, all that stuff. But she still was like, I'm still going to express my opinions, especially about this business stuff. Right. So, you know, I do think that Sandoval knows Katie's change. He he knows it. He just doesn't care to admit it. He kind of chooses to ignore it. And. You know, this is where we hear kind of the first inkling of that emotionally entitled line. So remember how recently on the recent season, Schwartz keeps saying Katie's emotionally entitled and everyone's like, what does that even mean? Like, isn't every and everyone is entitled to their emotions. It doesn't mean that it they it means they have to control their emotions. It doesn't mean you can't go around and punch people in the face just because you feel like it. But you can't tell people how to feel. If someone feels away, they feel away. Okay, the way they deal with it is that's what's important. Anyways, the first time we hear that line, though, is straight out of Sandoval's mouth. He says that Katie is entitled with her emotions. He rants about her after this group argument or discussion. 
And it's it's kind of sad. Like Katie in the scene while Sandoval's ranting, she looks like she's going to cry. It's like Katie is being beat down so much by Tom and her husband is he's defending her a little bit, but not strongly, not as strong as a husband should, as per usual. Then Sandoval says, and by the way, it's the four of them out at dinner, so it's kind of like a double date. Um, Sandoval says, you know, I'm tired of being cornered about this. And Ariana says, you're the one who's cornering us and you're the one who's yelling at everyone here, which is extremely accurate. So Sandoval is he's all pissed. He goes outside to smoke and it's like they kind of show him through the window. He's like angry smoking. And Schwartz actually says he keeps bringing this up. And they kind of, they show, again, they show Sandoval like looking completely unhinged. And it's clear, like it's really clear that he just, he has no reason to not want Katie involved in the restaurant. He has no logical reason that he can come up with. The only stuff that he can come up with is stuff from like seven years ago that everyone else has made amends for, apologized for, and moved on from that for some reason he's still got in his back pocket. Okay, now I think it's because he just sees Katie as an obstacle to him fully owning Schwartz. That and Katie will call Sandoval and stuff. And Sandoval wants, he, this man needs control. He needs to be in charge and control. Right? So people are not fully supporting his narcissistic vision of the restaurant. And he's just spiraling. He's also used to having Ariana on his side 100%. But even her and Schwartz are not fully on his side. Okay. So Schwartz, despite this, Schwartz does give in on the name, um, but he does not give in on him ranting and raving about Katie. So just to give Schwartz a tiny inkling of credit, which he gets credit for one second. It's all out the door now after the way he behaved in season 10. So then a couple episodes later, a few episodes later, they do a cocktail tasting at Tom and Katie's house. And Katie is not feeling well. She's sick. She's and you can tell she's not feeling well. Just, you know, she just looks off. She says she's not going to try the drinks because she's really not feeling good. And Sandoval gets all annoyed. He's in his confessional. He's like, well, you wanted to be part of the restaurant. And now here we're trying to give you dinner and you don't want it. And, blah, blah, blah. and he's going on and it's like, she's sick, bro. She's not not doing it to spite you. She doesn't feel well. Like he's just any opportunity he can get to make her into the big bad villain. He's on it. Even when someone is literally and authentically ill. This is the point that this man will go to. So in that moment, Tom and Katie argue a little bit more about the name. It gets brought up somehow. I think maybe even James brings it up because James is there at the cocktail tasting. Katie mentions that Sandoval can't take criticism. And, you know, I do see that th at this point, it's like, Katie, don't even bother banging the drum about this name because your husband has co-signed it and is acting like he loves it. So there's really no point. Um, But... Schwartz, of course, in this little tiff, takes Sandoval's side and he looks at Katie and he's like, you don't know what you're talking about? Go to bed. And he's really rude about it. The only person who defends Katie in this scene is James Kennedy. 
James actually says to Schwartz, you know, don't say that to her. That's not fair, right? Like, don't, you can't send her to bed. Thank you, James, for using actual logic and empathy in this situation. Like, it's like, Katie, this is her house too. Just because you're doing the cocktail tasting there doesn't mean that this is not also her house. Who are you to send her to bed? You're not her father. You're not like her authority figure. You're her husband. Anyways, James, James is one, he does not like it when people feel left out. I do, even though James can be such a jerk and was in these past seasons, he is, a, he's more empathetic than Tom and Tom. He's a much more empathetic person and he's very sensitive. And I actually think that a lot of the reason why he freaks out on people is because he's so overly sensitive from like all the bullying from his childhood and his parents' divorce and stuff like that. Whereas Tom and Tom, I think they they also had, you know, things happen with their childhood and their families and stuff, but I think they internalized it and express it in a different way. So Katie, this is kind of when oh yeah, sorry, actually James in his confessional says Schwartz should be telling his friend to zip it and defending his wife. But he can never say that. Okay. Okay, Mr. James Kennedy, I like that. It's like, but James doesn't really, he doesn't say it to their face that we see. Because James is still walking this fine line of like, he wants to be included. He's always had struggles and problems fitting in with this group. He doesn't want to be left out. Okay. But in this case, you know, he does say it in the confessional. So we appreciate that. And we appreciate that James, you know, stood up for Katie in that moment. At this point, you can tell Katie is just done. She completely steps back. She says she no longer wants to be involved in the restaurant. And it's kind of starting at this episode, which is also funny because from this point on, (laughs) the restaurant becomes a complete shit show. And we see we start to see the demise of Greg, the guy who's helping them with the restaurant, who we all know how that turned out. Up to this point, like if we're going to just go if we're going to talk about the restaurant for a sec, there have been so many scenes about cocktails and all of them are so complicated and unrealistic. Like, Are these realistic to make when you've got like 10 people ordering them, when your bar is like three layers of people deep? Like, it's just, it's crazy. Now, I don't know if that's what their whole menu was. I have no idea. I'd have to look it up. But it's just the fact that they won't listen to anyone outside of themselves is a problem. And now there's no Katie to ask practical questions. There's just Sheena, who's always team boys, and Ariana, who's still dating Sandoval, and we know she will be his cheerleader. If he says, look at all these cool drinks that take 20 minutes to make each, Ariana's going to be like, oh, it's delicious. You're so creative, babe. Like, sorry, that's kind of true. And again, I'm not trying to shit on Ariana. I'm just saying that she's in this relationship Tom Sandoval clearly had the upper hand and she was doing whatever she needed to hold on to it. We also have this season another interesting thing. And in this season, when I'm going over season nine, I don't go in order because I'm more going by storyline. So that was the restaurant. But there are other storylines where Sandoval is creating his little clique. His clique that are going to be his group think that are going to follow him. So first we had the restaurant thing. He manages to get Katie out. Okay, so now he's got a more controlling role over Schwartz. 
We also have Lala versus Sheena and Brock, which has nothing to do with Sandoval, but it does. So let me tell you how. Sandoval says that they only know the surface level of Lala and Rand's relationship. Okay, he's right about that. But I mean, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So I'm not going to give him that much credit for it. And everyone knew that. That's so obvious. Anyways, but I also think it's kind of funny that he would say that since him and Ariana are kind of doing the exact same thing. The only difference is that what Rand was hiding was much more serious and big. But anyways, he plays that game too. The let me hide all the problems in my relationship game. He's just as guilty. And in episode eight, you know, Lala and Brock have kind of been like going back and forth. Like Lala's like, you're, you've got children that you haven't seen in four years. They live in Australia, like just all this stuff. And like, can we be honest? She's not completely wrong. But they do actually eventually make amends when they're out at a bar and even after it's over and Brock and Lala make amends, Sandoval goes up to her and he brings it up again. And Lala's like, why are you on this hamster wheel? And he says, well, I'm just trying to help you be a better person. Like, what? It's it's crazy. It's like he thinks he's this guru or this wise man who everyone around him should listen to his advice and they should all do things the way that he says they should be done. And if they don't, get him out of here, just like he did with Katie. She doesn't want to do the restaurant how I want to do it. Get her out. Okay. And now he's trying to kind of, you know, now he set his sights on Lala too. He he knows he can't maybe get rid of Katie and Lala. Maybe he knows he's not going to get as lucky as he did with Kristen, Stassi, and Jax. But I think he feels like maybe I can at least villainize them so that it's like teams and maybe people get sick of them and we'll get rid of them. Possibly. So episode nine, the girls are at Pilates. So season nine, episode nine. We have Lala, Sheena and Katie, and they talk about what happened with Sandoval at the restaurant and how he keeps bringing up this stuff from the past. And they seem kind of confused about it. Katie's like, Katie starts saying like they kind of make fun of him. And Katie's like, I'm sure he keeps notes in his phone like an effing weirdo. That's what Katie says. And even Sheena's like, oh, he's still bringing up stuff from the past. That's all Sheena says, because I don't think she wants to go too far with even though, you know, Sheena loves a a scene. She wants to be in it. Right. But she also doesn't want to shit talk Sandoval too much because she's on that team. Right. She's trying to kind of keep her relationship with the girls because Sheena's going to try to get camera wherever she can get camera. And Sheena wants to be in the mess no matter what. Right. And Sheena, she's she's not thinking like Sheena doesn't think as far down the line as Sandoval thinks. Sheena thinks more in the short term. Lala, Katie on show now. I must be in scene. <laughs> right. Whereas I think Sandoval thinks a little bit more long term. Um, so the girls say that Tom has a history and he keeps a history on everyone and he keeps it in his back pocket and tries to use it whenever he can. And Katie says, well, he has a history, too, so he needs to be careful. And Lala's like, yeah, he's really sanctimonious. And I'm sure that they are talking about his past transgressions with ladies who are not Ariana. 
but they don't say that. So Katie mentions as well that, you know, they met, they went to the restaurant. This was before she was kind of kicked out of Schwartz and Sandy's, that they went to the restaurant. They met Greg, that he liked her. And like when you see when you go back to that scene, Greg loves Katie because she's being practical. She makes sense. And it is killing Sandoval. Like He does not like it. So continuing on during that Pilates conversation, Sheena in her confessional, they cut to Sheena in her confessional and she calls them mean girls. Like, I don't even know how that makes any sense. But since they're talking about Sandoval and that's her team, they're mean girls. She says in her confessional, and I, and you know, she's trying to be all tough in the confessional, but yet does not say this to their face, that she wants to tell them to shut the F up. But so even here where Sandoval is clearly wrong, Sheena takes the guy's side. Now, I understand that Sheena might have some feelings because Lala was going after Brock. That's her, that's her guy. I get that. But Lala had made up with Brock and things were going well. And then Sandoval stepped in and was trying to make it worse again. Like, doesn't Sheena want to just keep things copacetic between them and, and peaceful? It doesn't make any sense. So again, this is and this is back to the sort of key traits of groupthink. OK, because we've got this sort of, you know, again, rationalization of warning signs, unquestioned beliefs. And unquestioned beliefs, I didn't talk about that one yet, but it's that lead group members to ignore potential consequences of others, others in the group's actions. So it's sort of like, you know, Sheena is ignoring the potential consequences of Sandoval's actions, right? She's looking at it like, well, Sandoval's on my team. So whatever he says, I'm going to agree with, even though the potential consequences of his actions could be more disagreements and more strife between Brock and Lala. And that's not good for Sheena's situation. Anyways, let's continue. So meanwhile, they flash to the guys playing golf and Sandoval tries to make it out like he's trying to help Lala be a better person again. And of course, Brock agrees because at this time, Brock is really anti-Lala because she's been calling him on not paying his child support, etc. Of course, later, Sheena goes out of her way to report back to her master, Sandoval, and to tell him everything that Katie and Lala said. And Sandoval's like, yep, that's what they do. <laughs> Which that is so... Sheena and, and Sandoval, that's what they do, the mean girls, right? So again, always kind of stereotyping them as a group without actually looking at what the context of the issues are. And that's another one of the key traits of groupthink, okay? Number four is called stereotyping. This is where you stereotype contrary viewpoints or people who may be outside of the group. And when you do that, it allows everyone in the group to reject all the opinions of anyone else who's not in the group. So members of the group will reject perspectives that question or challenge the group's ideas. That's exactly what we have here. Lala and Katie are questioning the group's ideals. They're just mean girls. Stereotype. There we go. Right? It's easy to write off anything they said because they are just miserable mean girls 
who want to just take everyone down, etc. Right. Like Sandoval has really stereotyped them and Sheena's happy to go along with it. Right. Because and again, he's using the past to his advantage, just like the girls said he does. The girls say that he does because he knows Sheena's had a sordid past with these girls, has been besties with them, enemies, besties and back and forth. And on top of that, she's bothered right now because someone's calling her kid's father on the fact on, on the fact that he's not paying child support. Anyways, just saying. Schwartz actually defends them in this case. So he actually says no, that's not the only thing that they do. But I think he's just doing that because he doesn't want to get in shit with Katie later. And Schwartz in his confessional actually makes a good point. He says, um, why didn't Sheena bring this up to their faces? Like, why did she wait until later and bring this up and complain about them to Sandoval? Ditto. Like, I'm wondering that too. I think Sheena... Sheena also has notoriously tried to be in the quote unquote middle. And again, I don't think it's because Sheena just wants peace and wants everyone to live happily ever after. I think because, again, I think Sheena just wants to be in as many scenes as possible. (laughs) Like, I really think it boils down to that. I think in reality, she prefers Sandoval and those guys, and that's whose team she's really on. But in practice, she's going to try to get in wherever she can. So... Sandoval gets all, you know, pissed off when Sheena tells him this. And he says, if someone disagrees with Lala and Katie, they'll make your life a living hell, which is actually what he does. Just side note. Katie and Lala then they confront Sheena and they say to her, like, why would you go and tell him? And Sheena says, well, I wasn't comfortable because you were, you know, shit talking him, she feels. And they're like, well, why didn't why did you wait a week to say something to us? And Katie's like, this is why I feel like I can't trust you. Which I'm sorry, that is a completely valid point. Again, I don't get why these girls always get painted as being so mean. A lot of times Sheena gives them reasons like she does shady stuff. She just does. I'm sorry. Anyways, I digress. So. You know, Sheena's kind of playing victim which is annoying. But all that being said, Katie and Lala forgive her pretty quickly. Like they're actually like, okay, just, you know, next time tell us. And then they're all fine and they all laugh together. So it's not, it doesn't actually turn into that big of a deal, which is I think partly some, you know, the way the girls have matured a bit. And, you know, Lala has a baby, Sheena has a baby, you know, they have grown a bit, I think. And, you know, Tom also says that Lala shouldn't judge Sheena about Brock. So again, he's uh, he just can never stop talking about this, even though it's none of his business. And he says that, you know, when she started dating Rand, she wasn't transparent about it at all. Again, he's right about that. But yeah, everyone knows that. Like, it's not this is not groundbreaking news. I understand that Lala was still kind of trying to keep up a front about this. So I do get it. But again, like Sheena and Lala have already resolved this. Why are we still beating this drum. Tom admits, he goes, well, you know what? We lied for Lala in the past. So he basically admits that they were (laughs) accomplices to this. So I'm like, are you allowed to get mad at it if you were okay with it before? Just asking for a friend? Like, why do you get to question it now? You were fine with it back then. So if we're going to be going to everyone's past, maybe we should go to his past too. 
Again, Ariana, voice of reason, comes in and says, yeah, but that was in the past. Thank you. Thank you. But I don't know. Sandoval doesn't seem to care about timelines. He doesn't care about growth or changes. He doesn't care about any of that. And again, it's it could be because he hasn't changed at all. So again, this is another way that Ariana and Tom are drifting, right? Like I said earlier, and I'll say it again, he hangs on to the past. She doesn't. So Lala continues. She tries to explain her point of view to Sheena, but... You know, every time her and Sheena talk about this throughout the season, he's constantly interjecting, even though it has nothing to do with him. Every time he interjects, he interrupts Lala all the time. Then they have that dinner at LVPs. And since this was like pandemic-ish filming, um, you know, they have this kind of group event, but it has to be just kind of the main cast in LVP. I think they may have even been at LVP's house. I'm trying to remember whose house they were at. But they have this kind of dinner party. And he keeps interjecting, even though he's not even a part of the conversation. And Lala's kind of trying to speak to Sheena, make up with her. And LVP calls him on it. She's like, let the girls talk or something like that. And he swears at LVP and he says, give me one fucking second here. And he's pretty aggressive about it. And LVP gets, she's pissed. And he's... He's like, okay, sorry, sorry. Okay, I'm sorry, you know. But not until LVP forces him to say sorry. Like, she's like, apologize to me for that. And he's like, I'm sorry, 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 you know. Anyways, Lala does get to finish her point, but only because of LVP. If Lisa wasn't there, Lala would not have gotten to finish. And then Sandoval again has to bring up when Lala and Rand started dating. Even though we've already gone over this and resolved it, he has to bring it up again. So finally... You know, Katie tells off Sandoval. Lala admits that the thing with Brock is not her business, that she shouldn't have got involved. But she says, you know what? I voiced my concern and it backfired, basically, which well, fine. She admitted she voiced her concern and it backfired. She was wrong. I don't know what else there is to say about this topic. So Lala then brings up to Ariana. They then go inside. So they've had this kind of little mini blow up or whatever you want to call it. They go inside and I don't know if it was a different day or the same day, but it's Lala and Ariana and I think Katie too. And Lala says to Ariana, you know, Sandoval kind of has a thing about yelling at women. And Ariana, being a dutiful girlfriend, says, no, 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 he yells at everyone. Like, she's almost kind of rationalized it to herself that he's an equal opportunity yeller, but he's he's not really. Like, yes, he will yell at guys, of course. <laughs> but the amount and the the amount of his vitriol and yelling that is aimed at women is startling. Like, I would say it's like 95% towards women and maybe five, maybe even less. Uh, anyways, point is that Lala and Lala makes amends with Sheena and Brock and Sandoval tries to insert himself one last time and actually Brock tells him to shush, which is interesting because in season 10, you do kind of see Brock at the glamping thing kind of being like just a little weirded out by their group dynamic because I think as like a newbie and outsider, he sees it a little differently. So I think that's kind of funny. And I don't think Brock came in like he didn't come in wanting to be a 
attacked by Lala. Like, I think he's, like, ready to be friends with everyone because he just seems like that type. Um, so Schwartz also confesses to Lisa that he's extremely worried about money. His parents are separated. His brothers are struggling. He's sending them money every month. He says him and Sandoval are in very different places financially. He's pinching pennies and he's stressed because of how long the restaurant's taking and what it's costing. I just wanted to bring that up because I think that, again, this is the narcissism of Sandoval. Like, there's this idea that his reality is the only reality. So allowing the restaurant to just keep going and going because he's not putting in the work because he's off at band practice or sleeping with Raquel or whatever, he it's not affecting him in the same way that it affects Schwartz. Anyways, so in episode 11... Um, Sandoval takes Katie aside and he makes this big speech and I'm kind of, again, I'm kind of shifting around because now I want to talk about the sort of blowout that happens before the finale, which is where Katie and Sandoval really come to blows at Tom Tom about the way that Tom treats Schwartz in general. Okay. So he takes Katie aside. He makes this, they're at Tom Tom. Everything's peaceful and fine. Sandoval's the one who starts this. I just want to point that out. Katie doesn't approach him and takes her aside about how he's had all these amazing business ideas. He's the one responsible for the TomTom brand and Schwartz's insecurity has actually held them back in the past. So, wow, he's really willing to insult Schwartz as long as Schwartz isn't there, (laughs) right? Because... It's almost like he, I don't know if he forgets the cameras on him or he just knows he can convince Schwartz that Katie's being irrational later and that Schwartz will take his side. And that's probably it. Katie responds and she says, well, I just have a different perspective. And he doesn't listen. Katie then blows up. Right. And she's I mean, he keeps gaslighting her. So she's going to blow up eventually. And she says, I just want you to listen to Schwartz's ideas. And she yells it at him. Sandoval says he makes the money. He puts the food on her table. He starts taking credit for every club appearance, like everything Schwartz has ever done. And Katie gets angry, of course, and says, don't take credit for my husband's work. And Sandoval yells, you know, I made 20 grand. I guess they're talking about the money they raised off cameos to give to the TomTom employees during COVID. And Schwartz has the nerve to he comes over and he starts getting all mad at Katie for making a scene in the restaurant. Even though, again, Sandoval approached her and he's been yelling just as much. Anyways, Katie says something along the lines of like, Schwartz is not your little twin or doll for you to dress up and just use whenever you want to. Like, I mean, like, bravo. That is just that is exactly what he does. He loves dressing himself up. He loves dressing his little doll Schwartz up. Right. Oh, let me put Schwartz in his little helmet and his little sidecar. Like, I don't even think he sees it. He's like he dehumanizes him almost. Not that I feel bad for Schwartz because I don't, by the way. Um, Katie says, you know what, Schwartz? I had to sit here and listen to Sandoval talk about how much money he's made, how he's put food on our table, etc. And Schwartz replies, is that what he said or is that how you interpreted it? Like, okay, Schwartz. Like, again, of course he jumps to most possibly the, you know, it's Katie who's exaggerating. Katie then meets with LVP 
tells LVP what happens and LVP actually <laughs> seems a little bit annoyed and she's like, um, excuse me, I'm the one who created the TomTom brand, not Tom Sandoval, which is so accurate. She also says that Sandoval was confrontational throughout the entire process, which is, yeah, we saw that. And she also says they're not open, ready to open a restaurant. Like, they're not capable. They're not ready. And she's like, well, at least they have Greg. And then again, they flash, then they flash to Sandoval and Schwartz describing their vision of the restaurant to Greg. And Sandoval goes, yeah, we want it to be like 70s, but like 70s in the future. And, and he's just going on and on. And Greg's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So LVP even says those two are chasing their own tails. Great analogy. Then prior to Ariana's birthday. Oh, and by the way, before I go to Ariana's birthday, I just want to point out that now Schwartz has fully gone over to the dark side. Like he is team Sandoval. Katie's yelling in my restaurant. Katie's the one who caused the scene. She's exaggerating everything that Sandoval... Like he's really swung the pendulum over to that side. Okay. Then prior to Ariana's birthday, um, Ariana tells Sandoval that she thinks, so they're getting ready, and she thinks that Schwartz and Katie might be having relationship problems and that Schwartz told Katie off. And again, it was probably because of Sandoval and this whole argument. And she probably got pissed off because Schwartz didn't believe her when she was telling him the truth. And you can tell in this scene that Sandoval is fighting a smile. Like he's trying not to smile. He's glad. He wants them to be fighting. The more cracks there are with them, the better he sees his relationship with Schwartz. The better Katie and Schwartz are, the worse him and Schwartz are. That's the way that he views it. He doesn't see a world where they can all be in peace. He doesn't see that. So, you know, Schwartz says it's hard for him to hear you know, all this stuff from Katie and he's kind of wondering, like, you know, you know, maybe he is talking behind my back. And Schwartz actually does go to Sandoval just to kind of clarify the stuff that Katie told him. Sandoval straight up lies. He's like, no, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. And now we're kind of going back to groupthink here, right? I mean, we're always in groupthink, but one of the other traits of groupthink is called mind guards. And this is when members will kind of prevent or withhold troubling or contrarian viewpoints from circulating among group members. So rather than sharing important information, they'll keep quiet. And again, we've got, you know, Sandoval, usually he'd have someone else doing this for him, but he's doing it for himself here. He's this perspective or idea of him saying, I put food on Schwartz's table. That's not good for him. Right. That's not good for him to get back to Schwartz. And I think he kind of panics and he just lies about it straight up. Okay, it's also the withholding information. Right. So it's really like, you know, this is important information for Schwartz to know about so that he can kind of move forward in his business dealings and his marriage. But he doesn't have this and he's not going to get it until the season airs months and months later. And by then... You know, God knows what Sandoval can convince him of and God knows what's going to happen with him and Katie. And we all know how that went. So, you know, Sandoval actually says straight up to Schwartz, he says, Katie is the problem, not us. So, I mean, he's just gone full fledged scapegoat, right? Back to it. 
when all else fails, he goes back to stereotyping anyone who goes against the group, right? Stereotype those contrary viewpoints so that whatever perspectives come out of their mouths will be rejected by Schwartz, Sandoval, etc. Sandoval then suggests that him and Schwartz take a break (laughs) because things have not been going well. And a lot of people might see this as maybe Sandoval like trying to help Schwartz with his marriage. I actually think this was a passive aggressive move for him to be like, wait till you see how much your life sucks without me. You're not going to have any fun and you'll be stuck hanging out with Katie all day. And he knows there's cracks in that relationship. And it actually works. He tries to push him out, play hard to get. And in the end, you know, Schwartz comes crawling back. As they do. Um, And I just want to, before we get to the season finale, I want to talk a little bit about episode 12. Just a little side note. Um, Lala tells Sandoval, this is before the Give Them Lala beauty event. And even though Lala doesn't love Sandoval, you know, she knows he loves makeup. She needs help. This is her business. So she has him over. He's getting his makeup done. And she tells him about Raquel and the penis straws. And this is when we hear Sandoval mention boundaries for the first time. He's like, oh, man, she's got to have some boundaries, right? And this is when I really think the affair started. Like, I think Sandoval had a crush around Rachella and that there was probably some flirting. But I think that it got to be something real right around the Give Them Lala beauty event. That was the pictures I posted for the last episodes of the last episode of the two of them getting all cuddly. So keep that in mind. Okay. His plan is really in action here, right? He's he's driving a wedge between Katie and Schwartz. Okay. James really looks like the bad guy by the end of season nine. Like Raquel's helped out with that. You know, and now Tom, all of a sudden, even though he was supposed to be James's friend and not Raquel's, all of a sudden he's like, James is like controlling of Raquel, right? Like this narrative's being spun. It's all happening, as Sheena would say. So Tom and Tom have a progress party for the restaurant. And LVP says, oh, there's going to be lots of people with opinions there. And that's troublesome because Sandoval doesn't like other people's opinions. Again, I'm just trying to paint a picture here. And... This is when Tom and Tom call off their break that they've been having. LVP and Tom do have a lot of opinions. You know, they say like they're spending money where they don't need to. The ceiling, this arc, this that, this whatever. And LVP actually points out that there isn't a lot of progress. So, again, we don't have Katie around to point that out. Greg's on his own. He's trying his best, I'm sure. Um... And in the season finale, we all this time along the road, because I'm not like doing a recap of season nine. I'm just using the portions that I think are significant to the groupthink narrative. Ariane and Katie, though, do announce that they have gotten investors to give them $150,000 for something about her. We know this was Randall's investors. So obviously that didn't end up happening after everything came out, but they got other investors anyways. But Sandoval does not even look happy. Like, he doesn't even smile. And then he kind of makes a joke that he's proud of them, but he'll never make any suggestions, especially not about the name, or unless he doesn't like the name. (laughs) Like, whatever. Anyway, so then 
Sandoval later says to LVP that he feels, and get this, he feels like she's more supportive of the girls. What? She literally named her restaurant Tom Tom and put a picture of you and Schwartz kissing at the entranceway. Like, they got to invest in that restaurant. And let's be honest, they don't really do anything. That's the reason the restaurant's successful is because they're not really involved in it. They got all the flash without any of the real work. Like, I'm sure they did some work, but it's not not to the level of what they're trying to do with Schwartz and Sandys and clearly failing to do because they're not capable. But it's like, yeah, she's being supportive of the girls because, again, they don't have her doing everything for them and investing all her money. They're on their own. So they actually kind of need the moral support a little bit more. And she she responds. She goes, yeah, it's because the girls are actually moving forward and you're kind of at a standstill. Like she probably feels like they need the push and the girls don't really need the push. So at the season nine reunion, um, James and Raquel, like I talked about last episode, announced their breakup. I'm not going to go into that, but I just wanted to point out how weird Tom looks. He's like touching his face. He keeps like touching his eyes like he's crying, but there's not really anything there. Um, Brock and James kind of get into it. And Sandoval also looks weird. Like he's just got his arms wrapped around himself, like hugging himself tightly. And he keeps looking at the floor like he is just off this whole reunion. Brock even blows up at James and he's like, she like as in Raquel, she wants to go work with special needs kids and she's tired of dealing with you and da, da, da. and it's like and they cut to Sandoval who's making a face like yep ain't that the truth you know like it's a very suspicious face almost like I feel like Sandoval was fine with James being the villain like I think at this point he's sleeping with Raquel he wants James to be on you know the the villain team he wants James out like you know, and even if James stays, he doesn't want the audience to be like pro James. Like the wheels are in motion here. Okay. And James is not in his little crew. James is too reactive. He's too unpredictable. He's like Katie and Lala. So Sandoval also admits, by the way, for the record in season nine, that he has not gone into freeze embryos, even though Ariana has asked him multiple times. Sandoval says they're under budget on the bar and that it will be open spring 2022. And Schwartz is like, yep. And neither of those things happened or were true. (laughs) So it's kind of like, oh, God. It's like these, like in the key traits of groupthink, they say illusions of, um, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, unanimity among key decision makers that cause them to doubt their own misgivings. Yeah. Schwartz is a key decision maker and he he was doubting his he had misgivings, right? He wasn't sure about the name. He's concerned about the money. He's concerned about how slow it's going. But Sandoval sells it so well that Schwartz is just like, yeah, okay," like really doubting his own misgivings. And yeah, Sandoval has that power. Sandoval makes it clear that he doesn't want significant others involved in Schwartz and Sandy's. Now, I also think this could be because he's planning on breaking up with Ariana. So he's probably like better to keep her out of this. Katie says, and he's probably also kind of hoping that Katie and Tom are going to maybe 
not last and also just if they do last keep katie away from here um katie and schwartz or katie actually so katie starts dropping all this tea of things that schwartz says behind closed doors that is just hilarious so she says schwartz threatened to walk away at one point because he hated the name so much okay like that is information that I would have liked to know on while I was watching the season. Again, like, that's the illusions of, you know, unanimity. It's like Schwartz really has misgivings, but he just keeps doubting himself. He keeps doubting them because of Sandoval. And Sandoval says, you know what, Katie misconstrued a lot of our conversation, but it's clear that she didn't because it's on tape. And that's one thing I think, you know, Sandoval gets so caught up in the moment and being the star and all that stuff. Like, we see you, we see what you're saying. He says, (laughs) okay, Sandoval has the nerve to say that propaganda has been used against him. And Ariana actually defends this. And she's like, he would never say that he's putting food on their table. Um, he did. It's literally on film, right? And again, going back to those traits of groupthink, it's like, it's it's crazy. It's these unquestioned, so number two, or sorry, no, number one, again, the illusions. It's like things that are, truths that are right in front of you are being ignored. Then we have, you know, Katie really loses it when this is said. And she's like, you know what? Schwartz is complaining to me all the time. He complains Sandoval doesn't answer his phone or his emails. He only does something if he's right in front of you. You can't get a hold of him. He's always at band practice. He's nowhere to be found, probably sleeping with Raquel. He literally has, and while she's saying this, Schwartz literally has his arms and hands in Katie's face trying to get her to stop talking. Like He's like, shh, 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 like trying to shush her. And yeah, like clearly Sandoval has a hold over Schwartz and his followers of his little group, right? Like he does not want this information. This is key information. He doesn't want this expressed to the audience or the group because he need, he wants the audience on his side too, right? He wants to be the number one guy and he doesn't want to be the number one guy in the way that Jax was for doing bad shit and being entertaining. He wants to be the number one guy and be the hero and always be right, Okay. So again, like, you know, we have these number five, like I said, of the key traits, mind guards, members who prevent troubling or contrarian viewpoints from circulating rather than sharing important uh, information they keep quiet. So here's the thing. Katie's not part of the group, so she's not going to keep quiet. But Schwartz is trying to keep her quiet. Um, Katie also says Schwartz was going to the stone yard with Priscilla, whoever that is, to pick out tables and Sandoval was nowhere to be found. This is the first time in the reunion that Sandoval shuts up. Like he has nothing to say. And it's it's kind of like a it's like once the papers ripped up, it's never going to be the same as it was. Right. So she put that information out there. So Sandoval just says All right, Katie, like sarcastically. And then he changes the subject with a joke. Very telling. Like when he cannot get out of something, he's just, he'll just retreat. Okay, deflect when all else fails. Uh, Then one more telling thing 
from this reunion of season nine. After Raquel apologizes to Katie for what she said on Watch What Happens Live about the restaurant not being hers, because I guess Raquel's mom explained that when you're married to someone, you know, it's like a legal unit. Um, Ariana pipes in and she gets pretty defensive and she's like, that's bullshit. And Sandoval co-signs this. It's weird because it's a fact, not an opinion. Like, yeah, when you're married and the married couple has used their home credit and gotten a line, uh, you know, a home equity line or whatever. Yeah, it is partly Katie's technically. Especially even whether you have a prenup or not, depending on the prenup and the stipulations of it or how long you've been married. And we didn't know that Katie and Tom were going to get divorced five minutes later. You know, she is still a part of it. Sorry, that's just a fact. And like, yes, Ariana might have some claim too. you know, I don't depending on common law laws or depending on, you know, how much equity in the home and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, she seems to have this sore spot when it comes to marriage. I don't know if this is her lack of understanding with how this stuff works, because clearly there was some lack of understanding with the home loan and stuff. And she seemed to be pretty in denial about accepting some of the realities of that. So sometimes I feel like she's just taking Tom Sandoval's word at face value. So all of this is really to show that Sandoval, by the end of season nine, he has really formed like a powerful status a powerful viewpoint. And he's got Schwartz, Sheena, Brock, Raquel, and Ariana. He's got most of the cast in his pocket at this point. Right? Ariana, because she's in love and she's blinded by that. Schwartz, because Schwartz is just easy to control. Right? He's easy to control. He's vulnerable. You know, he's he's always he kind of credits Sandoval on some level and feels like he'd be no one without him. Like he he buys into his own role as a sidekick. OK, Brock, because Sandoval took his side and helped him when Lala was coming after him. Sheena, ditto. Also, Sheena's just always picks the wrong side. So, you know, Sheena's easy to manipulate. Let's just be honest. So really, he's got things in the bag. So when season 10 does come along, everything is laid out, right? You know, Schwartz can go and be friends with Randall, with Randall, whatever, sorry, Randall. And, you know, Sandoval encourages it. He even co-signs it, right? He's like, yeah, go be friends with Randall. You know, Lala has no right She has no right. You don't owe her anything, right? So it's like, let me again ostracize, villainize Lala. Even though rationally, it would make sense for Schwartz to stop being friends with a man who's been accused of really bad things (laughs) with, you know, underage girls and drugs and illegal activities. That is what is best for everyone to not hang out with that person, especially when your coworker, castmate, and supposed friend is going through a custody battle and a divorce. But of course, Sandoval encourages it because we have to keep that team over there, right? 
it may have been better advice to tell him not to befriend Randall and not to keep going to play pickleball. But again, we have these unquestioned beliefs, right? It's like these beliefs rooted in no reality and no one's questioning it. Stereotyping, you know, Lala, it's Lala's problem. Like, why'd she go and get knocked up by that guy? Did it? Like, maybe she should. It's her own fault, right? And and it's like these illusions of invulnerability. So that's another trait that I haven't talked about yet, but it's number six, where we lead group members to kind of engage in unjustified risky behaviors with an overly optimistic hope of success, right? That is Schwartz here. He's like, what? I could go play pickleball with him and it's not going to affect Lala at all. Like, it's all good. Like, they have a child. Like, these are real grown up things. You can play, like they said, play pickleball with someone else. (laughs) Anyways, again, he says any, sorry, Sandoval says to Schwartz, he doesn't owe Lala anything in terms of Lala, in terms of Lala, in terms of loyalty, really pushing this no loyalty thing. Meanwhile, Schwartz was allowed to play kind of innocent. Like he didn't even know Rand was a bad guy until the LA Times article came out. Bullshit. That is horseshit. Of course he knew. Anyways, you know, we also have this whole like, you know, Sandoval pretty much admitted he feels he was part of the reason for the divorce of Katie and Tom and mentioned, oh, I'm so glad Ariana stuck by my side. Like, And all along, you know, James is kind of on the outskirts. He's again, he's still doing his like lone wolf thing, as Lala said, and he visits Sandoval at band practice and he does James does question like why are you spending all this money when the bar's not even open right and this is why James gets put on the outside because James will just question stuff like he does his own thing he's kind of an outlier he's questioning like that's why I don't think you know Sandoval's ever going to fully let him in plus we also know he's sleeping with Raquel not James Sandoval obviously um You know, this is when Ariana clearly tells Tom that she needs, she wants quality time. She feels like they pass each other in the night and he's just like, yeah, like that's all he responds. And at a business meeting, you know, Sandoval, he tries to blame when they're talking about Schwartz and Sandys. He tries to actually blame Greg for why they can't open the bar. Interesting to me. Right. It's sort of like he's... (laughs) He's doing the stereotyping thing again, right? Let me make people outside of the group seem like they're the crazies and they're the problem, right? So that people, it's Greg's fault. Even like LVP kind of buys into it. She's like, oh, Greg doesn't care because he doesn't have to pay the rent every month and they do. But then later when we get more information from Greg, we find out the truth, which is that they don't have their computer system set up. They don't have this. They don't have a chef like it clearly Greg was right. You can't open and serve potato chips or whatever Sandoval said. So again, he's, you know, he's shifting the blame, no responsibility for the standstill. And Sheena is also at Schwartz's and Joe is living there, that that girl, Joe. And he says they're not together and she just believes him so easily doesn't even push it like this is how far the group think has gone at this point whatever Sandoval and Schwartz say everyone is just like okay let's go go with it right because Sheena's fully bought in Schwartz has divorced Katie so he is fully in and you know Lala Katie and James are just kind of on the outskirts 
And Raquel's fully bought in, too, because she's sleeping with Sandoval and she's this big Tom Tom stan. And, you know, she's like she's a complete fangirl. She's the most hypnotized of all. I haven't really talked about her much because I talked about her so much on the last episode, by the way. You know, she'll get brought up when needed. So Sheena also says Katie at one point has made her and Raquel feel like outsiders, which I think is crazy. Like, yes, Katie has made Sheena feel like an outsider way back in like her wedding season when they weren't getting along or whatever. But since then, you know, issues with Sheena have been Sheena's fault. I'm sorry. Go back and look. And on top of that, Katie has not made Raquel feel anything. As I went over in the last episode, and if you disagree and go listen, she has fully tried to be nice to Raquel, complimented her, invited her places. When people were attacking Raquel online about the birthday picture, she backed her up, like, give me a break. And, you know, we have this whole, like, Sheena helping Schwartz get his Schwartz back. It's so Sandoval to kind of paint this picture of Schwartz being like the sad divorcee, the girl left him, he's depressed, He's like, you know, he's a single man left to his own devices. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's pathetic. He can't dress. He can't decorate. He doesn't know how to keep a clean house. He's lost without his woman. Like this whole narrative that they paint. It's very Sandoval. And Sheena goes right along with it. She's giving him interior design, fashion advice, helping him get laid, like all this weird stuff. Acting like he has no game. He can't get girls, even though we know his whole marriage, he was cheating left, right and center. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's so delusional, yet everyone is buying into it. A lot of the audience included. Okay, so again, it's like, you know, we're keeping information back that is pretty key. Like, can we talk about the fact that Tom cheated all the time and did get lots of girls? What about the idea that he's probably dating this Joe girl and they're in a relationship? And went on like double dates with Sandoval and Raquel, because that's real. Just saying. So Katie is also obviously annoyed with Schwartz in this season, especially when he comes up to her and he's like, you know, Sheena's upset with you. Like, why are you bringing this up? It's like even Schwartz, he's so enamored with this group that he even has to cause issues with Katie that don't need to be caused. Like, why do you care if Sheena's upset with Katie? Let them deal with it. And then Schwartz says, you know, Katie is crazy for even asking for a boundary, even though in private he agreed to it. Okay, so with Raquel. So again, we have rationalization, okay, of, you know, warning signs that the group members that, you know, cause the group members to question their belief. Okay, so that's number three, right? And I know I talked about that already, but rationalization of potential warning signs that should cause group members to question their beliefs. Yeah. Right. Schwartz should be questioning his beliefs. He's hurting his ex-wife. He's ruining his relationship with her and her mother and her family, which is like his only family in L.A. But he's he's rationalizing all of it with Sandoval's talking points. And he's, again, stereotyping Katie. Well, her opinion, even if it's logical, who cares because she's a mean girl. So when Schwartz and... Raquel kiss, right? Again, we have the main group supporting them. 
And, you know, even Brock says on the trip to Mexico, we just want Schwartz to be happy. And then we have Raquel at the glamping trip. People who have a problem with kissing, like they're crazy. Right. Or Sandoval, you know, it's not realistic to not date anyone in the friend group. All of those things are insane. Okay, let's break it down for a second. Because this is serious, serious delusional thinking. Okay, these are unquestioned beliefs (laughs) and rationalizations like you've never seen before. So it's not realistic to not date anyone in the friend group. Why? You're in LA. You're stars on a reality show. There are millions of girls. And there are lots that are going to be interested in dating a guy who's a star on a reality show. Full stop. Outside of the group. Raquel, people who have a problem with kids, they don't have a problem with kissing Raquel. They have a problem with you kissing their ex right in the same vicinity and then them having to talk about it on camera for an entire season of a TV show. Especially because Katie's still dealing with the aftermath of her divorce. And then Brock, we just want shorts. He is happy. He's already dating this Joe girl. And again, that information is being held from us. But he was dating this Joe girl. He was sleeping around when he was married. Like, all of these arguments are ridiculous. But again, this group, it's this crazy group thing. Right? And Sheena jumps in the two. I've got Schwartz's back. Acting like Katie co-signed it when she doesn't. When she didn't co-sign it. It's again, it's this rationalization. Right? Oh, well, when Katie was drunk, she kind of said this Like, what? Like, why are you rationalizing this? Whenever doubts are brought up, these rehearsed lines that the group has just keep getting spoken over and over again. Right? Sandoval just repeats this mantra. uh, Sheena repeats it. Right? Whoever needs to repeat it, repeats it. Okay? And he, Sandoval goes even further than just this train of thought. Right. He's made sure that Ariana is close with Raquel. I think, in my opinion, he's the one who probably pushed Raquel further into the group. Like he's like such a cheerleader. I honestly think Ariana was her cheerleader a lot because, number one, yes, they were actually friends. But I don't know. This might be a hot take or a controversial take. A lot of times girls will befriend the girls that they're threatened by. So if a girl sees like a new A girl who they think their boyfriend might think is hot or is interested in, they'll befriend that girl because they think, okay, if I'm closer with her and I keep her close, she won't do that to me. She'll start loving and caring about me and I don't have to worry about her going after my boyfriend. I actually think that that was Ariana's train of thought. And I'm only saying that because I've seen that firsthand. I know people who've done it. Okay. You heard it here first. So (laughs) we know she's, yeah, she'll, we know Ariana will take Katie's side a little because that's her business partner and she likes Katie, but she's not going to go full throttle against Raquel because she's, she's got to maintain that friendship. And when suspicions are brought up, you know, Sandoval just does his thing, shifts the focus back to Katie, right? That conversation on the beach was a perfect example Right. The affair has become more bold. Right. They saw 
him dancing with Raquel at the Abbey, that is a valid thing to bring up, right? So it's really become bold. And at this point, all he's got to do, because he's done such a good job with the group think, and because they're all so entrenched in it, and they've all been, they're all like zombies repeating these lines. That's not realistic to date someone only outside of the friend group. Katie's miserable. Like, they all have these lines in their head. It's like they've had lobotomies almost. <laughs> like, honestly. Right? And they've rationalized everything. They've stereotyped Lala, Katie, all these other people to such a point that, you know, now it's easy. It's easy for Sandoval to, you know, prevent troubling information from entering the group, to hide things. Okay? All he has to do is say, ugh. God, Katie's so miserable. She's just trying to ruin Rick. And Sheena's like, oh, my God, you're right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So she drops it. And he doesn't even really have to lie about the thing with Raquel. Right? Like, we all know Sheena goes as far as being like, she could sleep in a bed with Brock and I wouldn't suspect it. Like, that is how far this has gone. That is psychotic. Okay? All right. Now, I want to just lastly talk about a couple things that are post season 10. There's a lot of stuff in season 10 we could dissect, honestly, right? I could go through every episode and do a serious breakdown, but we're all watching. We know what's going on, okay? And the best example of the group think is definitely the glamping trip. The glamping trip is everything, right? I mean, if there isn't a group on a trip that is more outrageously supporting illogical decisions and risky behaviors. I don't know what is. Because the last part of the group thing that we haven't really talked about is, we talked about it a little, but there's number six and seven, because there's seven key traits. And I'll post these on my Instagram in the accompaniment. Number six is illusions of invulnerability, which I did talk about a bit, but this is when group members engage in risky behaviors with an overly optimistic hope of success. And here's Scandaval. People are like, why would he cheat with Ariana's friend and be so bold and so brazen about it? Here's your answer. Sandoval has wielded such power in this group, like he's really the charismatic leader and they have all bought into everything, like I said, like lobotomized zombies to the point that like, he felt like he could do this and get away with it. And he's so good at convincing everyone of his viewpoint and kind of bullying people and gaslighting people into following him that he probably really believed he could do this again, just like he did with Kristen, that he could do the breakup, he would get away with the affair, and he would still be the number one guy in the group. Why wouldn't he think that? It's completely, like, it kind of makes sense. I mean, yeah, we all know in retrospect it was crazy. But I see why he in that moment thought that. Right? He has this illusion that he's invulnerable, but no one is. No one's invulnerable to the audience, especially the Bravo audience. The Bravo audience is fickle. Right? We will turn on people in a second. Now, the other part that we have talked about, but I haven't said the label for, is called direct pressure. That's number seven. This is when somebody deliberately silences another group member. 
so that they don't ask like inconvenient questions. They don't raise objections that could seem like disloyalty. I mean, if that's not Schwartz, (laughs) I don't know what is. Like Schwartz was being pressured to just keep his mouth shut. Right. Other people outside the group were kind of asking these questions like, you know, Katie and stuff like that. But again, they're outside the group. And he'd stereotyped them so hard and rationalized things that it didn't matter. So some post-scandal information that I think you should know about. On Caitlin Bristow's podcast, this was April 2023, so very recently, um, Katie had a few interesting little nuggets that I think go with this groupthink topic. Her and Schwartz had lived together for five months post-divorce. Okay, so they the reason was they had renovations at the house. They couldn't sell it, but they made it work. So this is also why it's so important that they became friends, because they were still living together. So that's why they made the boundaries. He was just as complicit in it as she was. It wasn't her strong arming him. They went straight from being married to being friends who lived together. She says they had no time to get over each other. And they saw each other every single day. So again, that's in, that's information that we didn't have that I think is important. Now, she eventually, so eventually, and apparently, Schwartz is the one who was wanting to hang out all the time. She wanted to really try and like not see each other, you know, kind of, she just needed some space, basically. But he wanted someone to talk to. He wanted to eat lunch with every day. Like she's probably one of the only people he can be like emotionally vulnerable with, maybe express some of his frustrations about Sandoval with because he's too scared to express them to Sandoval. Right. So she actually had to tell him that they needed to stop eating lunch and hanging out because it was stopping her from getting over him. And he she was trying to get over him, which is funny because we don't see that at all on the show. Right. Do we see Schwartz being vulnerable and admitting that, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have kissed Raquel because I forced Katie to keep hanging out with me or encouraged it at least, even though I knew she was having trouble getting over me? No, he doesn't say that. Again, it's like, you know, this and again, that's partly because of the show. Maybe it was filmed and not shown. But again, he wanted lunch every single day. Um, Now, they agreed that it was getting a little bit too hard, and they also agreed that once filming started, they would not date co-workers because of the work environment. And she says, you know, we can't break the fourth wall, blah, 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 but it wasn't really about the friend group. It's because of co-workers. Okay, she said, we agreed. We can both date others, sleep with others, do whatever we want, but we don't want it to be in the friend group because then it'll be a storyline on the show And Schwartz said, yeah, he didn't want to have to talk about Katie, you know, dating a castmate in confessionals. Like, how awkward is that? And neither did she. Makes sense. Okay. She also says Schwartz cheated all the time, which is a shock to no one. She also says, I thought this was really interesting, that Tom Sandoval was the only person in the whole group that didn't want Katie and Schwartz to stay friends. Wow. Like, not shocking, but I'm still a part of me is just shocked that he has that audacity. But 
I could see why, right? Like he, because we know Sandoval wanted, not only did he get what he wanted with them getting divorced, but this was also his chance to get Katie off the show. And if Katie was going to still have friends in this group, he had no chance of getting rid of her and he wanted rid of her. He didn't want anyone left on that show who was going to question him about anything. And you can't make that guarantee with Katie. So she says that her also, that her and Raquel weren't close, but they were starting to become friends pre the season filming, which thank you. I said that on the last podcast. Raquel posted that picture of of Katie for her birthday back in January. Filming started in July. Like they were becoming friends. Um. Katie says she checked in on Raquel after her breakup with James. They would text. And Katie says I she spent more time with Raquel than a lot of her close friends because because of the show and filming, they're just together all the time. So, yeah, no, I don't want to see you make out with my ex-husband. I still can't believe people don't understand that. So in May 2023 on Sheena's podcast, um... Sheena says, and I just wanted, I'm just, I brought this up because I want to show you how deeply entrenched and highly suggestible Sheena is. Sheena is the type, she has this, I'm sorry, I know, I hope Sheena doesn't hear this because she'll probably be really insulted, but I don't even mean it like that. But I mean that her and Raquel have something in common, not the, the cheating with your best friend's man, no. But they're both kind of the highly suggestible type like if somebody tells them something they kind of go with it especially if it's a person that they like and respect and in some ways their identity gets wrapped up in other people and I do think that's one of the reasons that Sheena's had so much trouble maintaining consistent friendships with girls on the show especially because it's kind of like she sort of changes her identity to fit in and then it doesn't work because people don't like people that are inauthentic and then it spirals against her and it's just it's it's a bad scene but she says on her podcast and this is just another example of it and this is why I think she got taken in by Sandoval so easily she says she doesn't trust anyone anymore because because of Scandoval which that makes sense and she says she's hanging out with Lala more And that Lala's attitude of trust no one is rubbing off on her. So again, it's like now that Sheena is feeling like she can't trust people as much, it's Lala's fault. Like, oh, it's because I'm hanging out with Lala more. Like, guys, I swear I'm not a bitchy mean girl. It's just because I'm around Lala. So, yeah, forgive me. (laughs) It's like she can't just have her own viewpoints without blaming someone else or pointing to someone else's influence like I just think that's crazy Sheena she even says on this podcast episode and I quote she goes everyone is bad I have Lala in my brain like why are you gonna do that to Lala was Lala was right and you were wrong just own it like it's like this constant victimhood of like well I was just trying to be a nice person and it bit me in the ass so I'll just be you know like Lala now but it's not my fault guys right and Sheena also admits that she questioned Raquel in January so she has had these suspicions but she probably didn't really pursue them as fully as she should have because of because again of Sandoval she didn't want to upset the order of the group Right. So remember, one of the key things about the group think is that, you know, people kind of avoid bringing up stuff that might upset the very delicate balance of the group. 
right? We don't want to disturb the group. Okay. And, you know, it's that idea of it's a common desire. I just wanted to read it verbatim to not upset the balance. Individuality and creativity are stifled to avoid conflict. You know, that was just something that I kind of noticed. And, you know, Sheena's co-host even says to her, like, oh, you were such a good friend to Raquel. But I actually think it she wasn't that good of a friend to Raquel. I think she was more driven by her hatred of Katie and by the groupthink dynamic. Raquel was in the group because of Sandoval. And Raquel was like the new cool girl. They were all going to help her, you know, assert her independence against James. That was Sheena's path. I don't even think like that it was about how much Sheena loved Raquel or even Ariana. I mean, clearly Sheena suspected Sandoval of being a liar and a cheater, yet kind of allowed this to go on and was really willfully ignorant about it. And again, it's not Sheena's fault, right? She was sucked into this kind of group dynamic and she's the type of personality that's vulnerable, Right. And, you know, we really saw this. We really saw it on the beach day and the glamping. And Lala, on her May 3rd, 2023 podcast, and like I told you, I'm, you know, loving Lala's podcast right now. So you should check it out. One thing that Lala said that I thought was very interesting was that Sandoval starts going in on Lala on the beach as well. Or sorry, in the restaurant. Remember where Schwartz and Lala were going at it? Apparently Sandoval joined in on that, but we didn't see it. It didn't make it into the episode. And apparently Raquel jumps in and says, yeah, and you know what, Lala? I didn't get paid very much for that Bambi-eyed bitch palette. And Lala's like, what? Like, where did that come from? And I guess Lala was like, first of all, that she paid her $1,000 for two hours of work. And and she said she was just surprised because Raquel was kind of acting like she was like all that and like this big in-demand model or something. And she was like, like, who do you think you are, sort of? And, you know, Lala said she was very taken aback by that and just the fact that Raquel would jump in so aggressively. But again... It kind of gives her like, you know, Raquel almost had this false sense of power and control, right? This, again, illusion of invulnerability, like she's in the group, she's in the cool group, she's in the powerful group, she's invulnerable now, you know, she's with Sandoval, she's not going to get kicked off the show, like she's going to be the queen bee, right? This whole like head bitch in charge attitude, like I talked about on the last episode, okay? And... Lala also says that Ariana, by the way, so just to go back to Ariana's role in the group thinking, and by the way, when I talk about Ariana's role in the group think, I am by no means blaming her as a victim. Victims don't need to be perfect, right? This idea that like the victim has to be perfect and not do anything wrong is ridiculous. Ariana made mistakes, but we should still have as much empathy for her as if she made zero mistakes. She's still a victim of Sandoval. So, and I do think that most of her mistakes are because of Sandoval. So she did have suspicions, Lala said, because apparently at Lala's mom's birthday, um, Lala said she had some sort of suspicions and said something to this some girl named Janet. And Janet said that she had been at Ariana and Tom's house on Thanksgiving. And Ariana was in the guest room upset 
because Tom was outside with Raquel like he always is. And I don't know why we have to have people over all the time. That's the quote from Ariana. Again, hearsay quote, but it's something along those lines. And Janet said something like Raquel and Tom were frolicking in the pool, whatever that means. And that this was happening all the time. So it's like, God, it's like almost like Ariana was like rationalizing and just ignoring things like these were serious warning signs that should have caused others besides Ariana to question this more aggressively. And obviously, Ariana was questioning it to a point, but notice that she didn't really do anything about it until she had like hard and fast evidence. I just think that's interesting, right? Because that's kind of the power uh, that he had. So the other thing was that Lala's co-host said she was confused because, you know, when she was kind of watching and following the Scandoval, she says like she didn't think Raquel was a narcissist like Sandoval, but sort of felt like she was seeing some signs of it in the Beach Day episode. Now, Lala says, no, 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 trust me, Sandoval's running the show, but Raquel will stick with a plan, which I completely agree. I do think Raquel lacks empathy, but I also think she's the biggest puppet of them all. Whatever Sandoval says goes. And Lala says that when she confronted Ariana and Tom, so the episode we saw where Lala questions Ariana about Tom leaving that not leaving the party to go with her when her grandmother died. Uh, she says that that was actually a refilmed scene or not even refilmed, but they tried to film it and Ariana absolutely freaked out. So she approached her about it. Ariana had a freak out. They had to stop filming. Production had to talk her down. And again, like, I, I'm not blaming her for this. She lost her grandmother. She lost her dog. Like she's going through a hard time. She probably knows on some intuitive level that her boyfriend is distancing himself from her. Right. And she said, no, I'm not doing this takedown of my relationship on camera or something like that. And however, they calmed her down. They talked her into it and I guess maybe like convinced her it was going to be a rational sort of conversation, which it was. And they started filming. They picked up again and they filmed the scene that we all saw where Ariana is, she stays very calm in the scene, right? And, you know, Lala kind of just like questions, but gently. I think Lala handled it beautifully, especially now knowing how upset Ariana was off camera. That was a delicate balance because clearly it was a storyline that was going to be happening. Like the producers were, they weren't letting that go. So I think she handled it well. You know, that was where they call Sandoval over and he lies about having gone to the bathroom when their friend picked them up and all that. Um, Lala, one last thing she said that I thought was interesting was that her mom was chasing Ocean around at the Labor Day party and came across Sandoval on the phone with Ariana at one point. So I guess this was the party where he was supposed to be getting the Uber. And she could hear Ariana through the phone screaming at him. And she would call, yell at him, and he would hang up. That is not what we heard on camera, is it? So again, it's like, in the groupthink, like, it's like, this is a very interesting and unique groupthink because they're on a TV show. 
So they're not just hiding information from the outside world of their group. They're hiding it from the audience. And even Ariana was complicit in it because now Ariana wasn't complicit in it because, you know, she was for the same reasons Raquel or Schwartz were or Sheena because she's just like a duh kind of follower. Ariana wasn't complicit in it because she didn't want to look like an idiot. Like you could tell she never wanted to look like the idiot girlfriend. She didn't want to look like also like that stereotypical like psycho girlfriend who's super jealous. Like she didn't want to be that. And that's why I think, you know, I think it's really Tom who wanted to hide a lot of stuff from the cameras because he wanted to be like the hero, the the number one guy in the group, except like the number one good guy. And he knew Ariana would go along with that because he knew You know, Ariana likes to keep private stuff private and she doesn't want to seem like this like weak girl because she's got these like really serious insecurities, like really serious. So again, you know, just to kind of sum up. Okay, our overalls here. This group think dynamic, it really is like it's a dangerous thing. And So I just want to thank Lala, if she's ever listening, which she probably isn't, but (laughs) for her inspiration for the episode, because it was not what I was originally going to do. But when I heard her talking about it, I was like, oh, I got to do this episode. Right. Like, I just had to. And I just think it's so interesting how the way that all the pieces fell into place with the, you know, the pandemic and COVID And, you know, I think one of our biggest questions is how could Raquel and Sandoval think that they were going to get away with this? This. Everything I just talked about, that's how. Period. So that was a journey. I know it was a long one, so I want to thank you for sticking by me. I'm going to put up my kind of partnership information. So I'm going to put up the traits of group think and some of the main ideas that I talked about. And I will try to find the clip as well of Sandoval talking about Stasi's brother. It's already out there on social media, but I'll put it up with it as well. And I want to thank you all so much. I had that was 16 pages of notes, by the way. So you know, I would love to release an episode every week, but the problem is this the type of podcast that I'm doing, like these deep analysis and deep dives, they require time, right? I'm not just speaking off the cuff. Like I'm doing research, I'm taking time, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm rewatching episodes, I'm looking up stuff online, right? So it does take time to put it all together. So that's why I, you know, I do need every other week. Um, but again, If you have any ideas of topics you'd like me to cover, I do have usually have my next episode. I have my idea at least planned so that I can, you know, get the ball rolling. But if you have ideas, I would love that. This is not a Vanderpump Rules podcast. I want to do other topics as well. I did have someone send me a message about doing one in relationship to New Jersey which I I could do eventually, but I, I just can't do it right now. I need a break from like Jersey is just driving me crazy. So that could be something to do later in the summer once Jersey's over and we've all had a little bit of a rest, <laughs> which I think we all need. 
But, you know, I do have a list of ideas. But if you have one in your head, I I probably don't have it on my list. So please send it. Even if you're like, my idea sucks or she's probably not going to do it. I might like bring it in. It doesn't hurt. Right. So send me a DM on Instagram at Bravo and Botox or you can email me Bravo and Botox at gmail.com. And, you know, your idea could be the next Bravo paper. You never know. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Bravo and Botox. And if you'd like to support me and the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. You can also visit buymeacoffee.com slash Bravo and Botox to send your love through some much needed caffeine. Until next time at our next Bravo paper. Bye.